Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is brought to you by Blue Haven Sports Bar in Greenwich Village, New York. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. Blue Haven, New York sports bar for grown-ups. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, number 3.38, New York Sports Talk podcast and radio show, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and eventually Freehold, New Jersey. It is Tuesday night. We're back. It is Tuesday night. It is 9.30 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. I'll be one of your hosts, you, Sam Pietro otherwise known as Sam Pete. And uh, let's just bring in my co-host. We have a we have so much to talk about tonight. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great uh, hour, hour 45, maybe hour 50 conversation. We're going to talk sports nice, no. no big whoop. It's going to be nice. It's going to be a little shrugadell, like a nice little cookie knife. Because there's a ton... Uh-oh, Cal just dropped the phone. Cal? There's a ton, <laughs> there's a ton going on. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about the Jets in the big unload. That's just going to be, I mean, buckle up, everybody. Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride with the Jets uh, getting destroyed by the 49ers on Sunday, or as I like to call it, the indictment of the entire Jet program. Uh, so we'll, we're going to talk about that in the big unload. And then this is the penultimate night of the Major League Baseball season. Huge games going on right now. The Yankees playing the Red Sox, the Baltimore Orioles down by a game uh, in the AL East, playing the Tampa Bay Rays. Those games are going on right now. We're going to talk about those games eventually. And then, of course, uh, the Bishop, Pop Culture PJ, uh, producing the show, a producer, a bon vivant, uh, Captain Specialty. He's got an edge. I mean, he doesn't have an actual edge like Derek Jeter. He's got an edge. He's a little edgy guy. Uh, he'll join us later. We're going to talk about... Uh, Great cover songs in the fun load, because I swear, if we bump this one more time, Cal, forget Anyway, enough of my yakking. 
Enough of my yapping, like Marty DeBerge said. Let's boogie. Uh, so let's bring in the co-host. The cow to my Neva. The cow to my Yente. The cow to my Pino. Notice I said Pino. Didn't say anything filthy there. Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino, as previously mentioned. <laughs> the 47 elderly... No, I won't do that George Collin bit. Brian Calvi! Hi, Bri. Hello, Steve. Hey! Wow, that week went fast, huh? It's only been for uh, five days, that's why. Oh, oh, what do you mean? Cal and Sam Peter on a new night. Tuesdays this fall, ready to unload. That's why I got a new uh, open for us. I got somebody to read the the Blue Haven uh, spot for us. Yeah, I, I I noticed that. That's for the fall season. That's that's for the fall season. Yep. Great. I went and got a uh, a new read for us, and uh, we're gonna keep changing that up. I think it's funny. I like that. Yes. Um, welcome, buddy. It's only been five days. We're back. New season. Blossom follows a very special blossom. Yeah, this is uh, this is a fortuitous uh, time for us to move to Tuesday nights because quite a bit has happened in the last five days. Yes, absolutely. Quite a bit. The Jets' uh, season and program is over. Uh, the Giants lost a, uh, a very difficult game to the Eagles. The Yankees have clinched a playoff spot, but that AL East is still up for grabs, Doctor. So that could go either way. Uh, you have the great race in the West. You have if the A's win out, they basically have a playoff game tomorrow. It's just it's crazy pants. So uh, a good time to make the move. And again, following, you know, having a uh, being the lead in for an all new blossom where she not only loses her virginity, but she loses it to uh, Justin Bieber. I'm just afraid that we are going to uh, not be able to hold uh, the lead in from wings. <laughs> You're going to force me to do my uh, my my Stephen Weber. Hey, hey, and then you push your hair behind your ears, your long right. hair, as that's you do what, that. That's Stephen Weber Wings era. Yes. That's not oh, uh, Studio cool. 60. No, not Studio 60. Where he, where he struggled with the uh, Sorkin dialogue. Yeah, no. He not had that. a little trouble with it, yeah. Uh, so how was your uh, five days? How was your weekend nice? Did you Good. pumpkin pick? Did you no, apple? We did, we did the apple picking. You did it? We did the apple picking, which was nice. All right, sir. Um, a lot of apples, boy. I tell you, as you go around picking the apples off the tree, yeah, you don't. I mean, you have a sense that your bags are getting heavy as you're doing it. You have no idea how heavy they are until you go and weigh them at the end. Right. And forty pounds later, you yeah. cut some apples. There was an article, I think it was on Slate or whatever, about how like the apple picking phenomenon, much like the Shia LaBeouf phenomenon is uh, unexplainable. And uh, does it actually help local growers? Because you're waiting all year. Basically, they have like this inventory that all year sort of suffers or whatever, something like that. It was, it was something to the effect of like, of course, it's... it's I see you read that, that article closely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was like a, that was like a seventh grade uh, report I just did on that. Right. On, on like... Pietro, April. do you want to present uh, what you found in this article to the class? You want to do your presentation on the Constitution to the class? Uh, basically, uh, like, apples. Um, apples. There were apples. And there's a lot of them. San Dimas High School football rules. And the farmers and, um, like, I don't know. 
stuff. Were you a big book report guy? Uh, I was. I didn't like doing them, obviously, but I was okay with the book report. Not okay with the oral report ever. See that? Strike that and reverse it there. Yeah, really? Because I'm a hot dog. Did I ever have a problem giving an oral report? No, but you like to write. I do like to write. So, do you know that I never? I would love to get. We'll get PJ's opinion on this too. Did you ever proofread a paper in college? Of my own or someone else's? No, you your own. Like I like it, we didn't have computers and stuff because no. we're old. So you had like word processors or whatever. You could save it on a word processor, obviously. At the end, at the end, I had a computer. Dude, I handed in entire twenty-five page papers. I spell checked, send them off. Wow. <laughs> wow. I was that confident in the first draft. And how did that work out? I hey, I graduated. Yeah, you, you're here now. That degree looks awesome on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> I ne- never used it. I don't think I ever. No, I don't think I ever proofread my own stuff. I mean, I did look over it, but there. I mean, I wouldn't even. I, I I did an entire term paper on Nixon. I can't tell you. I don't know what happened. I think my my senior year term paper in high school was done on a typewriter. Oh, definitely. I think right. Did you were you in Mr. Patterson's class? Uh, no, I had Mr. Griffin. Oh, you weren't in the uh, the AP English, is that? No, 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 I was not on that level, sir. I was in the AP English. Yes, I know. And uh, we had to do a true term paper there, and uh, did mine on Catch Twenty Two. Oh no! Now listen, we may not have been uh, AP. We did our <laughs> own term paper. Do you remember what AP stood for? Was it advanced placement? Yeah. Was it was it not awesome pants? Yeah, that's what it was. It was awesome pants. <laughs> you were in awesome pants English. Right. You were in all these all these awesome pants classes. We were just in regular English, regular old English with uh, Mr. Griffin, aka uh, Bob Shepard. Bob Shepard. He that's was right. just. And to this day, I I feel comfortable saying he was the greatest teacher I ever had. Is that right? Yes. I never had Mr. Griffin. Nobody's ever. Nobody has ever asked me that question. I guess because I've never been interviewed yet. Yeah, that's right. Save that for the big Esquire. Right. Know. Or if they're doing a Q and A with me in the post. The Serbi Q and A. Yeah, that would be big. Greatest teacher, Arthur Griffin. Arthur Griffin. Yeah, hands down. He sounded exactly like a Yankee legendary PA announcer Bob Shepard. I mean, well, and, exactly. And and the best part about it now this this was a and he wasn't trying. This was a very sophisticated, learned man <laughs> who really had no interest in sports whatsoever. None. Zero. Yet we got him <laughs> on the PA announce on the PA system at the football field. At the pep say, rally. At the pep rally. The pep rally. Now batting <laughs> number twenty three, Don Mattingly. We oh, got him to do that. It was so great. And it we- was just <laughs> couldn't have been more out of character for him. Now batting, and he did it. Number twenty-three. Don. I mean, he said, and he didn't have to do anything or affect his voice at all. He sounded exactly like Bob Shepard. That's how his classes were. Right. <laughs> I could have never taken a class with the guy because I would have loved. His voice was was a natural PA system. Now tell us what Boo Radley <laughs> was doing when he spoke with Scout. Scout. <laughs> Go to page forty-three. 
I would have lost my mind. I love it. Uh, term paper, by the way, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Nice. Well done. Yeah. By uh, Ken Kesey. Ken Kesey. Did you read uh, the electric Kool-Aid acid uh, read it, test? Read it after it. Yeah, it was. Right. I had to read that next. You taken by Kesey then? Back then, 20 years ago, sure. Because Catch-22 wound up being, just by default, not a, not a big reader, this guy. Uh, just by default wound up becoming my favorite book. Like, I didn't become a, a really good, what I would call a good reader until I went to college. Because I'm, okay. I'm sort of not slow, not a slow reader, but I don't, I don't devour. Right. Like, my brother devours. You're not a reader. My mother has, I am now. I wasn't then. My mother yeah. has donated sections to the library. Like, that's how much my mother reads. Would, is she, would she be considered voracious? A voracious reader? In okay. fact, that's she. if you look up voracious reader, there's a picture of my mother sitting at her kitchen table in, drinking tea and reading a book and smoking a cigarette. <laughs> this is my entire childhood. Much, much like every time I ever went to your house, that's exactly that what I saw. Exactly what she was doing. Voracious reader. My mother sitting there drinking tea. She drinks coffee now, but she drank tea for years. Smoking at least 60 cigarettes. Least I would imagine the only time she wasn't reading was when she was cooking. <laughs> That's correct. Is that right? That's right. These are the two activities. The cleaning, not so much. <laughs> oh, I love her. I bust. I we bust on mom. Not on. I'm sorry, but no. she don't. She donated in the entire Harlequin romance section at the Com her. at the Comac Public Library. Not the one you worked at. The other one. The the smaller one. Smaller one on That's uh, right. right. Uh, she donated that whole section. This is thrilling, I'm sure, for the people. Well, let's bring in the bishop if he's around. Let's bring in the bishop because if, there's a, if, if there's a man of letters on this show, it is it is the bishop. You want to talk about a big-time reader. We have two questions. One, what did he do? His He has a degree in English, Cal. Forget about awesome pants. That's right. just... He wasn't even in Awesome Pants English. He has like a degree from like an actual accredited university. $85 at the Apple Orchard. <laughs> That's what you dropped? Wow. Yeah, because we, we also picked up uh, spaghetti squash, butternut squash, some jams. Of course. Of course. Get the peppers? Some preserves. Did you get no, peppers? We, we grow our own peppers right here in the backyard, Cal. Oh, so oh, nice. Are you composting now, too? Is that what's happening? I have a composter. Uh, it does not operate as advertised. It's mainly <laughs> for us just a place to pile up weeds. Right. And crap. And crapola. <laughs> uh, so uh, how much did you spend, Cal? Uh, What'd you drop over there? 52? Was it 52? You checking with your accountant? I'm checking. I'm checking with the with the research department. Apple picking fifty two dollars. Mine was fifty two dollars, by the way. We have yeah, a we have a confirm on fifty two dollars there. Um, $52, yeah, that's what I'm getting. Cash only. Thanks for coming. Take your apple to get out. I think I'm doing that this weekend because you know goodness knows there's no reason to watch Jet football. So uh, I think actually I'm going to go next weekend when they actually have a game on Sunday. Right, yeah, because they're not even playing. So that would have been a week, you know. I would have done it normally this Sunday. You could still go this Sunday. Because the Jets play on Monday night. But you know what? I want to miss the Jet game. That's well, how playing, bad. They're playing Monday night? 
Right, but that's how bad things have gotten. That I'm putting the apple picking off to the week after when they play the Colts, so I don't have to watch this team. The only problem with that is they may run out of apples by then. You're running low at this stage of the game. But that was the point of the Slate article. There's plenty of apples. They're lousy with apples. They're filthy with them. You're not doing anybody any services. Yeah. Not with just the deer apples. You don't want those. No. Feige, what book, what did you do your, uh, you have a degree in history. What What? Uh, what was the book? Or English, English. as, I mean, as, uh, as noted. My bad. My bad. I, you, I understand you wanted a degree in history. Had to get the one in English. I have one of the greatest history papers ever, and I, I've saved it, even through the flood that we have, um, where I got an A over D minus. What? Yeah, I got uh, it, it, I got an A for structure and writing because I'm a pretty good I'm a pretty good paper writer, and a D minus because I had apparently completely completely misunderstood this book that I read about Jim Crow laws. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote this really nice note about you know content notwithstanding, you're you're quite a good writer. But you know, <laughs> don't ever try to use this paper to get anywhere. <laughs> right. Because you have completely misunderstood the thesis of the book. I love the music of the song. The lyrics are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that that's me as a history student when I was nineteen. Not not so great. Not so and that's the reason you have a degree in English. So what yeah, was I used the, to, what was the big book? The big book? Yeah, I mean, don't, did you have to do some sort of ultimate, you know, uh, uh, 1,500 page term paper thesis on to get your degree? I mean, you were at the school for nine years. You had to do something. Okay, now what I'm going to tell you is going to sound really um, stupid. And so... All right. I did, I did uh, two things. I did uh, the Hollywood screenplay as literature... Oh, I, I that how I love this already. Um, and it, it talked a lot about Coppola. It talked a lot about Kubrick. And William Goldman, I imagine, was in there somewhere. Uh, never heard of the man. Right. <laughs> and and the other one I did, and this is the one where people usually <laughs> raise an eyebrow. I did an exhaustive paper on the history of the dash. Come on, the punctuation, clip, clip. The punctuation yeah, mark. Well, I didn't think you meant the race. <laughs> <laughs> what? The, the race? Yeah. <laughs> like the race, the you dash. About a hundred oh, yard oh, dash. Okay. Cal, you see, you do everything, you make everything controversial. I'm talking about... <laughs> well, listen. It's all about race with that guy. I tried to we'll get semicolon, but someone take it. Someone took it right from right under me. So somebody stole the semicolon. There's yeah. nothing quite like, hey, look, Cal. You know, we're on Tuesday nights now. You know, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to push the envelope for the fall season. I get it. All right. We're gonna. Ta- I've said it over and over again. That tests well. It does test well. So you did a, uh, an entire paper on the the history of the dash, the punctuation mark, the dash. Sounds right. Really. Right. Where it originated and uh, how it was used, and then of course how wow. it evolved and how it's used today. And by today, I mean 1992. Right. Wow. So it, it wasn't was just somebody, you know, made a mark on the paper by accident, dragged no. their pen as they were 
Because <laughs> you, was... you don't really you don't really want to get into it. No, we but, don't. No, it's, it's only an hour and forty five minute show. Yeah, yeah. So so I I could write about stuff that was cool, and I could write about stuff that was really dry. And people also paid me to write their papers for them. Uh, well, see, I did a, that too. Quite a few people paid me to. Rush up their papers, or just completely create their papers from some notes. I was paid in beer, quite often. Mm. You wrote a paper for someone. Me? Oh yeah, yeah. bunch yeah. of times. Huh. I mean, I had friends that were pre-med majors or like engineering majors or whatever that you know took a had to take a theater class or something, and they're like, write a paper on, you know, uh, <laughs> Sweeney Todd. These these guys were lost. It would have taken them seven hours. We are the benevolent nerds. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, that was, you know, that that took me an hour and a half, and I got a case out of it. I mean, that's, right. you know, hey, as a college kid, that's not so bad. Oh, no, exactly. I did. I, I those are the kind of things I didn't feel badly about it because it wasn't like uh, at some point when he was in medical school, he was going to get tested on Sweeney Todd. <laughs> quickly, quickly! <laughs> I want to hear it, a few lines of Joanna right now. <laughs> Doc, can you tell me what this rash is? Hold on. <laughs> Just let me finish the stanza <laughs> of song. Right, exactly. All right, PG, we got to get to uh, the sports here. We got to get to the to the Jets and stuff here because there's Are baseball you going it on. Are keeping a sports too. show on Tuesdays? I thought this we're, was like RTU Blue or something. I was going to drop my pants. <laughs> hey, speaking of, we need to talk more about uh, our potential new show. What's that? Have you talked oh. to oh, – oh, Cal. Oh, we got a Jim Dandy. Tell him, Peach. Are you talking about RTU politics? RTU politics, yep. Yeah. Spinoff. The Bishop, it, the Bishop just, might, get, might be it, getting his show finally. It's a spew oh, fest. Is it just an election season show? Like, is, is it like a special for the next six no, weeks? No, I'm, I'm, I'm always this annoying. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm always this overcharged and on a soapbox. Yes, he's uh, he's been having some great political conversations, really good discourse with our buddy uh, Brian, uh, the drummer from the band, okay. and uh, they should have a show. Who I wrote a paper for. Who <laughs> he also wrote a paper for. He comes Coincidentally, closer. years Arty, ago, on Arty a clockwork Arty orange. orange. On a clockwork orange, there you go. On a clockwork orange. How long did that take you, like 20 minutes? What was that like? The, it took it took it took me a whole night because at the time uh, I was running a 286 computer using WordPerfect one. <laughs> but that's the only reason why. Right, Bill Gates. If I had had a typewriter, would have gone much faster. Right, Bill Gates is sitting next to you working on the next version. Right, I'm writing. He's writing code as I'm putting it in. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you, you need a question mark? Hold on, let me work on that. Right. We uh we will see there, Cal. We may have a little spin off in the works. That would be great. A little spin off podcast. And then you and I can go on his show and talk about sports. <laughs> on R T U politics. On R T U politics. Sure. Well hey, look, Tebow, you know the owner of the, the owner of the Jets uh apparently would rather see Mitt Romney win more than uh than his Jets. I Next, could bring on R T U politics tennis minute. That would be awesome. Not with the tennis minute. It's <laughs> Brian <laughs> no. Kelby. <laughs> Tennis minute. Okay, let me do the uh, let me do the proof. Uh, the proof.
Let me do the Blue Haven live read here now. Because we have huge news. We're doing uh, doing a live remote from there next week, next Tuesday night. Our first ever live remote from Blue Haven in New York City. So uh, here you go. You ready? I'm ready. ready. Okay. Next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, Bri, in New York City, whether it's uh, the baseball playoffs, which are currently going to start next week, college football, or or the NFL, or the Jets next Monday night, if you want to just really punish yourself. Blue Haven has got enough screens to cover every game you could possibly want, and they have some of the best wings and nachos in town, and again, they have the 100-ounce, it's up to 100-ounce now, back up. Wow. Yep. 100-ounce tower of either Bud or Coors Light for just $25. You'd be having a party with yourself. At that point, it doesn't matter if the Jets are playing. That's correct. I'm going to need one of those next week if we watch the game. One of those. Yeah. For myself. For you, for you. What do you think of me trying to take one of those down while we do the show next week? I think I have no doubt that you'd be able to do that. I think we should. I think we should make that the focus of the first live remote from Blue Haven. Yeah. Sam Pete okay. takes down a hundred ounce tower of butter cord light. In an hour and a half. In an hour and a half. That's twenty five bucks. Start your weekend off right with a big plate of their famous chicken and biscuits. That's a new item that we haven't talked about, by the way. I know. Chicken and biscuits. Very very I'm good. Interested. Uh, a complimentary pint of a Bloody Mary. A pint of a Bloody Mary. In the pint last night. Yeah. And uh, this is a place uh, where you can go, and people, as Megan, one of the owners, said, people talk sports nice. There. We talk sports nice. We're going to be talking sports nice there next week. Nice. No big deal. Nice. They talk sports nice there. And uh, it won't scare your girlfriend or your wife. That's big. So check out www.bluehavennyc.com for details, specials, etc., etc. Blue Haven, a sports bar for Corona. Okay, now it's time for what we call the big on There it is. You know, this week it's easy, Cal. Sometimes the big unload, we have a little trouble finding it. Sometimes we talk to each other during the day. We say, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? What could it be? What do you think it is this week, Brian? It ain't the Ryder Cup. I think it's fair to say this could potentially be the biggest big unload in the history of big unloads. Were you going to go explosive? Well, because you, you'd say it, you have to say it like explosive in a world. No, I'm not doing the promo guy. No. But it, it, the, do the love boat guy. On an explosive RTU. <laughs> then on Melrose Place. Uh, we watch way too much TV. Yeah, old TV, apparently. This has a... Uh, a ch- Look, let's just get right into it. I have... Here's where I want to start. You ready? Yeah, because I... This... this Look, we've been talking about this. I, I sensed the shift in the force with you on Sunday... You will not find, ladies and gentlemen, you will not find a bigger, more devout, more loyal, 
dedicated Jet fan than my partner, Steve Sampietro. You won't. Try to find one. Bring him to me. You'd be wrong. Because it's this guy. <laughs> and through all our snark and negativity, he was he was that light. And he was the one that was positive And he saw the... the the bright side of everything, and then just maybe this could work, and I, you, you're not giving it a chance, and this could happen, and this could happen. And well, folks, this Sunday, my friend Steve Sampietro crossed over in a big way. And Steve, this is your moment. I want you to unload. They, uh, they broke me, Cal. I sit before you a broken football fan. And I'll tell you, uh, and we're going to get into all the specificity. I have a number of things I would love to talk to you about when it comes to the team, the roster, uh, where they go from here, what happens. But I want to tell you what happened to me on Sunday. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm watching the game. I got it, you know, everything really, you know, mapped out now on Sundays. Like, Teresa, my wife, is great. She, you know, watches Wes or whatever. She lets me plan around it and stuff. Um, It just does a great job now. You know, she gets that it's my thing. But I started watching this game, and I'm saying to myself, it's week four. And this is, this game is too important to me. All right, I, I I can't sit down. I'm changing jerseys. I'm trying all different kinds of jinxes. I have to stand in front of the TV. My wife is off to the side giving Wesley lunch, our son lunch, and she's looking at me like I married this. This is what happened. Like I I can't sit down. I'm rocking back and forth, standing in front of the television with my arms crossed, and it hits me, Cal. It hits me. My son is watching me. Watch the game this way. My my 22-month-old son is watching me watch the game this way. There it is. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't used to watch Jet games this way. I mean, I always enjoyed them. I was always into them. You, I Would it be fair to say you never watched a week four game like this ever? Absolutely. Ever? Nope. Absolutely. This is... And... and a week four game that going in, you really didn't give them much of a chance anyway. Nope. Nope. And and it was uh, it was too intense. It was too intense. It it it. I flashed back to watching the Jets against the Texans in 2010, and sitting on my couch watching the game with my wife, and like. She was watching it along, and the big comeback, and the Jets won. It was so enjoyable. There is nothing enjoyable. Now, this was before they got shellacked. Right. This is after the game, getting right? shellacked. Right. It's it's still only like 7 nothing at this point. And I'm looking at the way I'm watching this game, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do it. it it's, I'm, it's not enjoyable. Right now, there is nothing enjoyable about this team. So, to and, and nothing enjoyable about my watching experience. It, it's there's nothing wrong with being into watching a football game. That's not what I was doing. I'm not into it. I'm tense. 
I need them to win. I I can't take facing people and getting ragged on because I'm a Jet fan if they lose. I, I it it was no longer enjoyable. I left the chat room that we have that we're always in the chat room and stuff like that. And we're chatting the whole game. I stopped texting with my brother because I usually do that during the game too. I just I had to I shut off. I shut off. I tried to sit down. I I I mean I was I was having a struggle. How long did you shut down for? Till the fourth quarter. You well, know, till, till, yeah, till, till, right, till they were getting absolutely waxed, and then I had to get back with you guys and just give my take on it. You were, so you were you watching it at that yeah. point, or did you shut everything down? No, I was still watching, but I was trying to, you know, if there was something I could help with Wesley with, I did that, you know, or if I, uh, you know, I, I just wasn't watching as intently. I sat down on my couch instead of standing in front of my TV pacing with my arms crossed, rocking back and forth like some sort of psycho. And I tried to just watch the game and enjoy it. Now, clearly not the game to do that. (laughs) Because they confirmed every part of why I don't enjoy watching this team. They confirmed every part of it for me. They had an opponent come in and destroy them. There were 20,000 49er fans in the building. Okay, thus once again proving that our owner has priced out his fans. And that's how available tickets are for rival fans. Somehow more than that at the end of the game. Yeah. It was 20 to, I would say it was 20 to 30,000 of the 80,000 people that were there. Okay. You had a game where Jim Harbaugh the coach of the 49ers, actually ran the Wildcat for spite. Like, it wasn't just enough that he was going to beat the Jets. He was going to embarrass Rex Ryan and his team. And mostly probably for what Rex had said about John Harbaugh and the way that things went down with the Ravens and the fact that Rex said privately and not so privately that he thought he should have gotten that job. Instead of John Harbaugh. And you know what? Those Harbaugh boys stick together. And they ran the Wildcat against the Jets better than the Jets. He actually coached with spite. It was magnificent. He did. Okay, so that's going on. Sanchez, a disaster. A week after I defended him. A week after, you know, I've defended him for four years. A disaster, making the same exact mistakes that he's made all the entire time. The defense is a, is a disgrace. 17 missed tackles, Cal. 17 missed tackles. Guys on their back. Guys getting blown off the ball. Okay. Then you have a guy like Kyle Wilson, who, when he gets beat like a drum, three or four times by two or three steps, but Alex Smith, thankfully, is the quarterback, and so therefore there's an overthrow or there's this or that. And he's wagging his finger at Mario Manningham, the receiver that just beat him. As if to say, you know, not on my watch. I, I mean, really? This dropped the ball. <laughs> or he was overthrown. He was overthrown, actually. Yeah. So you have to watch that. Then you have to watch Santonio Holmes make his stupid first down uh, signal or whatever on every first down catch. The first drive, Bri. The first drive of the game. The Jets stop the 49ers. You're feeling good. They pushed them back. They had a big run or two, and then they, you know, they got off the field on third down. Finally, they get the ball back. First play from scrimmage. 
Sanchez, high percentage pass on a bubble screen to San Antonio Holmes. He picks up 12 yards in a first down, makes a stupid first down thing. And what do they do? They run Tim Tebow out on the field to run a wildcat play. Nothing like getting your quarterback a little rhythm, the guy who's thrown for lefty, less than 50% in his last two games. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's take him out immediately and, and let him establish no rhythm. Okay, so you, you, you had that going on. Sanchez looks awful. It's only 7 nothing. They get the ball uh, with over two minutes left in the half at the 49ers 47. They move it down to about the 34 or the 30, so they even have a shot at a field goal. And Sanchez goes right back to year one, scrambles, doesn't protect the ball, fumble, and now the 49ers march down the field on a defense that's, like, given up. And they kick a field goal. Now it's 10 nothing going into the half instead of 7-3. We could break down this game all day. Let me just finish with San Antonio Holmes with one of the most selfish plays I have ever seen. Okay, I don't care that he got hurt. I'm sorry, I don't. You know, Cal, somebody made the great point about Cotri in that game against the Browns. Mm-hmm. Remember Cotri making that unbelievable catch? Absolutely. When he destroyed his groin, his groin was like hanging out of his pants. Yeah, he, not he dove for the first down. Right, and he dives for the first down and gets the first down, holds on to the ball, and then limps off the field. Yep. That's a ball player. San Antonio Holmes, we don't even know what's wrong with him yet. We don't even know what... It was that... It was so bad that nothing is broken and it wasn't like his ACL or anything. And he decided to throw the ball to the other team. Literally. Literally. Well, he didn't, he didn't throw the ball to them. He, he, he threw the ball. He just, he just let go of the man. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm going to just throw the ball. I'm just going to okay. let go of it. So you have that. And then you're left with Mark Sanchez down whatever it was, twenty four nothing with <laughs> Cal five guys that would not be on an active roster on another team. Starting. Okay, Epps was already out of the game. So four guys. Okay, Epps Epps is not even on a practice squad. Cumberland is a practice squad player at best. Patrick Turner is probably not even on a practice squad. He's not on the team anymore. Right. They cut him today. Clyde Gates is at best a practice squad player. Okay. That's two-fifths of the receivers that you dressed on on Sunday. Two-fifths of your wide receivers. Okay. So, and then you have Sean Green in the backfield who, while he would probably be on an NFL roster, is certainly not a starter for any other team in the NFL. Literally. When he's averaging less than three yards a carry. Cal, he, he has 68 carries for under 200 yards. I mean, how, does, how, how does that math even work? On the season. So, yeah. and, this is, and this is what Mark Sanchez... and Go get him. Go get him, kid. Chaz Schillens, Patrick Turner, and Clyde Gates were your receivers running routes. And Jeremy Curley, who disappears for 35 minutes at a time. Pretty good. Pretty good. Jeremy Curley, who's probably a fourth or fifth wide receiver on any other team. Mm-hmm. That's not even to say on defense, Brian, who would not be on a roster 
or if they were, they certainly wouldn't be starting. There's five guys that played major snaps on Sunday. Okay? So here's where we are with the Jets. I'm not enjoying watching the team. Rex Ryan has made them a laughing stock. The the Tebow trade has made them a laughing stock. Okay? The owner is a joke. I'm not enjoying watching the game, and they're getting waxed 34 nothing. Now you tell me what I'm supposed to do. Literally? I, I, I don't are know. You, are you asking me to tell you? I don't you know what to do? do. I've had it. I, that's it. I'm done. I, I don't know I don't know where to turn anymore. I Wait. can't listen I can't listen to sports talk radio. Even though they're right, I still can't listen to it. Okay, so I can't listen to the fan. I can't read the papers. Because again, they're right, but I don't want to hear it. I go on my Twitter feed, and you have guys that are usually reliable, uh, you know, flip flopping. Like, uh, and I'll say it: Green Lantern Jet. That's a terrible job. Because he went off. Uh, he he was the one who brought the Woody Johnson Mitt Romney story to Twitter, and went off about it. And then three hours later, was like, "Oh, you can't get mad at Woody Johnson, guys." Like, I wanted to tweet to him, like, "Who got to you?" But but vehemently. Defending him though, like, yeah. Like, did they send somebody to your house? Like, like did they get to you? You're real. You're really out of line for questioning him because he's brought you a winning team that's relevant. They made it to the two, two AFC Championship games. How dare you criticize Woody Johnson? Right, and this was a flip flop of of Mitt Romney in proportions. I don't want to get into you know or John Kerry proportions. Whatever, whatever political bent you want, whatever politician you believe flip flops, whatever side you're on, this was a political flip flop. Well, I got to tell you, the guy, we saw this last week or two weeks ago with the Mets. When you remember, you remember that one day when all of the Met fans just yeah. kind of, all of the really good Met fans, independently of one another, came to the same conclusion about the team. Right. Right? I think that that's what happened this week with the Jets. I, I, and he's I, good, yeah. good, he's, look, he's a good Jet fan. Green Lantern Jet is a good Jet fan. Absolutely. He's a good writer, too. He's a very good writer. He so snapped, though. Funny. He's just, you know, he, he can't take it either. But he snapped in, in such a bizarre way, Bri. No, I know. Because then, okay, so to add to this, I'm despondent yesterday. To add to this, not despondent, but I'm, I'm despondent's the wrong word because that gives it too much import. I'm struggling with this idea that I can't even enjoy a Jet game anymore, and they suck. And I'm I'm saying things like, you know what, I hope they go 3-13 and 13 and everybody gets fired and they blow the entire thing up because it's over. It's run its course. Except for the fact that the owner gets on TV while he's promoting Mitt Romney, which anybody who knows me is not the greatest way to endear yourself to me. But that's fine. That's different. I hate politics and sports mixing together. And the owner of the team is the fundraising chairman for Mitt Romney in the Northeast. So my politics are filthy together for sports. Okay? And he gets on and says, which I don't... You can't kill him, Brian, for saying what he said. Absolutely not, but the timing couldn't have been worse. The timing couldn't have been worse, and it was the wrong answer. The right answer there is to, is to not even entertain the question. Is to say to the and I watched the whole interview painfully. And the, the, you know, there, everybody missed the two and a half minutes. That we're talking about Woody Johnson going on Bloomberg. 
uh, the Bloomberg station, which was a clear, uh, obviously, a promotion for Mitt Romney because that station is a sort of a Republican bent, and he's the campaign chairman or whatever, and they talk about Mitt Romney. And then at the end of this little 10-minute fluff piece, they ask him about Tim Tebow, and they ask him about the Jets getting waxed, and they pressed him on Tebow because there's nothing – and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this. I, I gotta say it. All right. Tim Tebow has been on O'Reilly. He's been on Fox News. They said it on Fox and Friends the other day. When are we gonna see Tim Tebow start? Okay. He's he's. I'm sorry. He's a political lightning rod because of his political beliefs. He is, and because of his religious beliefs. And he doesn't shy away from it. Bryce said in an interview not two weeks ago that he's thinking. You know that he would think about life and. In public office after football, okay. He doesn't, sh- he doesn't shy away from it, but he is—he's not really that outspoken, unsolicited. Absolutely, totally agree. But Give him credit for that. I do, and 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 again, this is less about Tim Tebow and more about what people want to use Tim Tebow for. Okay, but after being pressed on it and not saying, you know, he gave Sanchez literally a lukewarm endorsement. They ask him, what's more important, a Jets winning season or Mitt Romney winning the White House? Okay, the, the, the answer there is the answer he gave. Of course, it's, it's, to him, it's Mitt Romney because it's the country and politics and like real life. But the right thing to say there, Bri, is, you know what, I'm not going to really answer that question because they're two entirely different things. I mean, one is, is, is has the import of – of course I want the Jets to have a winning season. But, you know, we're talking about our country and our future here. So, you know, that's uh, that's really like a kind of a tough question. But that's all. And, and just, just be diplomatic. Don't you think if he was on a sports program, if he was on a Jet – he was on the Jet pregame show with Bob Wischusen – and Bob Wischusen asked him the same question. He would answer, "I want the Jets to be as successful as possible." Uh, but it, it, but that's not saying that's all he had to say. I know, I know. Again, look, I'm not going to kill him for saying that he puts the country before freaking Jet football and his opinion of the country. I get that. All I'm saying is it could not have been more poorly timed. Right, it could have. It had to be after. Right, it had to be after the worst most deflating loss in how many years with this team? Well, this this team, this this front office has lost credibility, okay? So Mike Tannenbaum and the front office has lost credibility. The the owner, everybody since he traded for Tebow has questioned his, has questioned his motives. I, I, Brian, I would not hesitate to say, and let, tell me if I'm wrong, 75% of the fan base thinks he made the trade for a publicity stunt. I mean, I Joe, Joe I, I Namath, more than that. I mean, Joe Namath said it on ESPN Radio. I would say I would say more than seventy-five percent think he made the trade for publicity purposes. But if you remember, we talked about it. We and and maybe we were just trying to defend it, trying to trying to put the put the positive spin on it. Maybe these guys know what they're doing. Let's give them a chance to do something with him because maybe they maybe they do know something and 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 we're jumping to conclusions. Well, I think four games in, it's pretty safe to say they have no idea what to do with him. Nope. And I, I feel very comfortable saying this trade was made solely by Woody Johnson, and Woody Johnson foisted Tebow upon the rest of the organization. And, okay, now we got him. 
you figure out what to do with them. Yep. Good luck. Figure it out. Because I we I want them, so get them. Figure it out. Well. And that now that does uh, of course does not exonerate Mike Tannenbaum. Not not even. I mean, we'll get to him. <laughs> we'll get to him. But just to finish up, you have a fan base that's already questioning. Big time, Mike Tannenbaum has for a long time. This this roster that he's put out there right now is is a ridiculous indictment of his regime as general manager. Do you? But do you think? Do you think that people have been questioning him for a long time? Because I have not. I feel like we have, but I haven't really heard a lot of stumping for Tannenbaum's accountability too much until now. You might be right. I mean, maybe it's the diehards, or maybe it's you know. I know I that on certain, I, on certain message boards for a long time, Brian, he's taken a beat. So I think that that's it. I think the diehards w- who typically pick up on this stuff more so than the casual guy, yeah, have been ask have been taking him to task for a lot longer. Now the casual fan is recognizing, hey, what's going on with this team, right? And what's with the guys that are being thrown out there? That's got to be a personnel issue. That's Tannenbaum. Well, and I think it's coming more and more to light that he's a salary cap guy. Who has been a general as you know is not a talent evaluator and doesn't know how to build a, a football team from a talent standpoint. But but you see that's that is where he needs to lean on his coaches. And he can't you, clearly clearly he can't. That's another problem. He can't. Well, again, that's we're, get, we're getting there too. Right. That's what I was going to say. It, it you you have no confidence in the owner. Okay, all the owner cares about is the back page. He does not care about winning. He cares about uh, filling that stadium that he got bullied into anyway. All right, so you have the owner that you don't trust, who has priced out the average fan. Okay, priced them right out of the stadium, right out of the stadium. Okay, who clearly only cares about selling tickets and getting the back page and the back the back page headline. You have – I'm not going to bring up my, my crazy tinfoil Tebow neocon conspiracy theories. I'll save those for another time. <laughs> off the air. We'll do those off the air. Is I, I really don't want to get into that, and they are sort of nutty. But that's, that's enough with the owner. It's clear that, that, or that the fan base does not think the owner cares about winning. Then you have the GM, who clearly does not know how to build a football team. Clearly who has duped himself into thinking that he has enough talent here, there, and everywhere, uh, that he, he somehow has this ridiculously talented team. And then you have Rex Ryan. Well, let me back up a little bit on Tannenbaum, which ties into Rex Ryan. You said that he's duped himself. I feel like he has been duped yeah. by Rex Ryan. No, you're right. You're right. I said that incorrectly. You're right. Right? Yep. Well, our buddy back Doctor put the blame, it the best. obviously. Yeah, but he put it the best, Cal, did he not? He said Tannenbaum's that that sort of nerdy stat geek kid, okay, who Rex and the football guys are letting sit at the cool table to do and, and he just does whatever they say he should do. That's it. Whatever he says they should do, he does. And now that's uh, that's it. You know that now that's that that's coming to roost because oh, what did he say? He said, "Doctor, I got to give him credit for it." He said he's he's the cool kid that's sitting with the football players, and they're letting him do their homework for him. That's but right. he's doing it wrong, right? And he's that's exactly it. He's been doing their homework for them, and it turns out he's doing it wrong. 
Right. And the homework isn't correct. He's absolutely right. Great job by Dr. E. Ray when he said that the other day. And that's exactly what he is. If you go back and watch Hard Knocks, Cal, that's exactly what he is. Oh, yeah. He was you know, shameless. He was – I mean, look, Francesca said about him since Rex has been there. He's not the same. Not the same guy that worked under Parcells. Lords of Flatbush. <laughs> so you have this arrogance in this front office that they're doing everything right. And now, Cal, let's be honest. Yep, put it, put a nickel in the jar. I said it. Actually, what, what else do I what, – what would I rather say than let's be honest? F this. Let's F this. That's pretty honest. Okay. No, but uh, forget this because it's all come full circle with Rex. He's lost the players. I'm sorry. There's no coaching going on there. 17 tackles, Bri. They're giving up. They gave up 245 yards on the ground. That's his pride and joy. That's his pride and joy. I mean, if the defensive players are not listening to you and not executing your schemes, he's lost the players. He's lost the media. Okay, he's not fun anymore. He's written Which, as he's written as a buffoon. I I I I hate to say it. I worried about this two years ago. Yep, we have it on tape. You know, this was <laughs> if if they were and 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 it really has bared out exactly. Now, I obviously I didn't see this coming, but it, it's it's followed the pattern that. It, it should have followed. He was great when things were going well. On top of the world, he was, cre- you know, he, if he's in charge of a, of, a, of a ship that's on cruise control, he's great. You know, he's like the party captain. Everybody loves him. You know, everybody's laughing at him. He's, he's a cool coach. Every, you know, everything's going great. But when faced with adversity, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to get himself out of it or to get his team out of it or to lead anybody out of it. He doesn't he just he's not not built that way. No. He's still a new head coach. I mean still it's only his fourth year and maybe those skills will develop and maybe this is a learning experience for him. And he will develop. But you know what? His father never developed into that. No, and he's not going to, Bri. He's not going to. I mean just sensing his personality, it's it's just not there. We said it we've used this phrase a million times on the show. In fact, I think we may uh, that might be the subtitle. <laughs> the show had a it was like a Radiohead song, and it had like the title "Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete," and then of course it had to have a parenthetical because every Radiohead song does. Yes. It would be unsustainable model <laughs> because his his coaching uh, uh, strategy and persona is an unsustainable model. No, because you can't win every year in the National Football League unless you're the Patriots. And with that persona, you can't lose. When you start to lose, you become what the Jets are right now, which is a laughingstock. I mean, even in a year where he was supposed to tone it down, Bry, he decided to say he's the best defensive coach in football. And again, in context or out of context, it doesn't make a difference. He still said it. He didn't have to. And I know you said it. I, I Give me a mea culpa here because I defended him right here on this little radio podcast that we do. I defended it. And, and, and now I have seen the light. Listen, we, but you know, you know what? You're not alone. We were all 
we all kind of came to that realization at different stages with him. Right. Well, that's you know? what I was going to say. That's the last part of this, Brian. He's lost the fans. Now he has. I mean, he he called out the fans. You know, he went back to that. He, it's like a one-trick pony with him. Going into the week, he calls out the fans. I want all our fans to come and be loud. And, and what did they do? They, 30% of them sold their tickets when he said that. Yep. What, 30% what of them rather, right. 30% of them chose not to go to watch the team on a 65 degree clear October day. <laughs> clear October Sunday with no holidays, no nothing. 30% of them sold their tickets to the opposition. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. Nobody wants to hear that he'll bet on his guy. Well, I know you love that one. Oh, that. <laughs> and I know it's a phrase and that's just what he says. It is. It is a twisted, a, a, a turn of phrase that he uses all the time that oh, you absolutely yeah. hate. But I will, look. I still. I still watch every press conference. I mean, the guy. Obviously, to me, at this point, has a, a sort of career-wise fatal flaw, and that's. And, and we've said it a million times. He can't help himself. He can't help himself. Mm-hmm. That's a person. It's not, and it's not necessarily a personality flaw. But no, it's that's career, what I meant. I mean, a career flaw, right? Yeah, right. It's a, it's a personality trait that becomes a career flaw because he can't. It's like him saying that this is the best. I think at the end of the day, this will be the best team I've had since we've been here. I mean, look at that. We're not idiots. Like I don't, fans are not idiots. Like, look at that roster. But you know what? I don't. And also, I, but but also, Brian, look at the rest of the league is going to look at that roster and laugh at you. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get Jim Harbaugh running a wildcat on you on purpose because you say you're the best defensive coach in football because you say I have so much talent. This team is going to be so good. I wouldn't bet against me. That's when you get that. You know I. I and I've always defended this part of him, and I'll defend it now, too. I don't think he ever means to intentionally disparage anybody else, ever. I don't think that that's his M.O. I think his M.O. is to pump up his team and his program as much as he possibly can to try to get them to believe in themselves. I think that that's what he's always done. I think that's what he was trying to do, yeah, with his boasts the first two. I, got, I was talking to somebody about this today who's a Miami fan and hates Rex Ryan. And he's like, you know what, Steve, I feel for you right now because your team is not very good and you're a good guy and you're a big-time fan, but I hate your coach so much that it, it gives me pleasure. And a I said, of- what do you hate him? Because you don't talk, you know, and this guy played organized. It's our buddy XL, the FedEx guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He played organized sports. He's like, you just don't talk that way. You don't talk that way until you've won something. You shoot off your mouth, blah, 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 blah. He's a buffoon and it costs his team. And I said, X, the first two years, it didn't. The first two years, all he said was he believed in his team. It took pressure off his team. It served its purpose the first two years. It was only until last year when he said it again. Stopped working last year. And and he also, he made the guarantees again. And this time, it put an X on his team's back. The t- previous two years, Bryce didn't do that. I mean, he said it before they, you know, before the play. The first time he makes a, st- a ridiculous statement like that was in the playoffs in in his first year, 
when he said, you know, he started playing out the Super Bowl parade and that sort of thing and said, we can, I think we can win the whole thing. I think maybe we're the best team in the tournament, blah, 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 blah. He said it when he was hired that he looks forward to meeting the president. No, no. See, again, that this is like urban legend now. What did he say? I watched that press conference. He said, I hope to, I hope to get to meet him in the four years that he's in office. Okay. You know, again, it's become urban legend that he said, and we're going to meet him and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I watched it. He really didn't say anything until that playoffs. He said it after he said it after the Colts game. It was before they made it was before they beat the Bengals to get into the playoffs. He said it after the Colts game because that was yeah. that was how it all started was that he was he was going crazy about his team beating the the undefeated Colts at that at that time right. but the Colts had pulled all of their starters in that game. They put they pulled Manning, right? And he t- he was taking bows, quote unquote, for beating the Colts, right? I get it. Right. See, and now, that's how, that's now how we're, we're we're getting this from Dr. Ray. So Dr. Ray contributing to the show even though he doesn't know he is. What is he saying? He said reported Dr. by ESPN News is unavailable. <laughs> he is unavailable both uh physically and emotionally, by the way. Don't try to break down that wall. Uh, he says, reported by ESPN New York, Woody Johnson is pushing his football people to start Tebow. And there you have it. Yeah. Now, I I read what he's referring to today. And is, it, it, is that out of context also? or It's not. It's an extrapolation on his interview on Bloomberg. Okay. In fact, there's even, if it's the same article that I read, there's even the line, one would be naive to think that Woody Johnson is not pushing his people for Tebow. So they're, they're taking a lot of, a lot of liberties there, but can you, can you, would you put anything past this team right now? Absolutely not. I mean, look at what they have given Mark Sanchez. Again, this doesn't let Mark Sanchez off the hook. He's still making the same mistakes that he made when he was a first year, you know, first year rookie. Well, that's the same thing when he was a rookie. So this doesn't take him off the hook, but, they certainly haven't surrounded him with a ton of talent. Look, the, the conspiracy theory here is that the team has somehow, some people will go as far as to say they're, they're trying to sabotage Mark Sanchez. Some people go that far. Some people, will, some people will say they are not actively trying to support Mark Sanchez. They're not, they're not actually sabotaging him, but they're not giving him anything to work with. Some will say that they're just doing wrong by him because they don't know how to develop him. Right. They're just doing a bad job coaching and developing him over the last couple of years. Hey, I, I think I, you know, when I said you could send Mark Sanchez to New Orleans and watch him back up Drew Brees for two years and learn Sean Payton's offense and get some actual quarterback coaching, I would not bet money. I would not bet against your favorite. I would not bet against him becoming like the starter in New Orleans and having a ton of success. But do do you honestly believe they're they're consciously setting him up to fail? I don't know if they're I, I Brian. I just don't know anymore. They may be actively setting him up to fail. They may be because you could make a case that they're that and and you you actually did make the case. It made perfect sense. I asked the question. Why, in a game like that, that was completely out of reach, that typically the backup quarterback comes in. You know, 99% of the time, in a 34 nothing game, the backup quarterback comes in, 
with ten minutes to go too. It wasn't, it wasn't like there were four minutes left. There were ten minutes to go. They had three more possessions when it was thirty-four nothing. Because they either don't want to get the starter hurt, and they or because didn't they just want to about give that, the, or they just want to give the backup work. They didn't bring Tebow in. Whatever they were going to bring him in, I thought that was the that was the time to do it. But you brought up an excellent point. Leave Sanchez in, and continue to let him fail, and it builds the case. Continue to, make, to continue to have him look bad, and not bring Tebow in there where he's going to have no success. Because there's no chance Tim Tebow is going to have success against that defense in that game with Patrick Turner. Chaz Schillens and Jeremy Curley run, and Clyde Gates running routes. Okay, and then, he's, he's and, not going to have success anyway. But and then also knowing that, as he now my my take on this is that last week wasn't the low point. I believe this week is going to be the low point because now they're going to play a team that's just as good, if not better, in Houston. Tim and didn't even play a great game. And it's on Monday night, and now the that's entire true. nation is going to see. The embarrassment that's going on. Yep. And I think that I think that this is going to be the low point. And I'm telling you right now, he will he if, will be the starter against the Colts. The if your if your if your theory is right, if he doesn't even come off the bench in this game, like if it's if it's close somehow, and it's not forty nine to nothing by the third quarter, which it probably will be. Right. Um, but let's just say somehow it's it's you know seventeen uh, seven or something like that going to the fourth. You're going to see Tebow. If it's seventeen seven going to the fourth, you're going to see Tebow. Yep. If they're down seventeen seven going to the fourth quarter, you're going to see Tebow. And, and they're going to say go rally. They go, they, let's build the legend. Here it comes. Right. Oh, yeah, that was like the Denver game last year. Yep. But now the question is: Is that Woody calling the shots? Is it Rex calling the shots? Is I don't it, know anymore. Who, that's the thing with this, with this group, with the three of them, with Rex, with Tannenbaum, with Woody. Are they are they all in this together? Are they fighting with each other? Do they clash on their ideas? I, it, it's just it's such a mess, and you don't know what to believe because you get mixed signals all the time. I can I can say this. Watching the press conferences, watching them with Rex Ryan the past, Two weeks. I don't think it's Rex. I really don't. Okay. I agree with you. Because he is, to me, I'm no body language reader, but to me, he seems genuine when he's talking about Mark Sanchez and having the job. And And he genuinely bristles at the Tebow questions. Um, I I would not be surprised if Tannenbaum wanted Tebow. And maybe Tannenbaum and Rex are not exactly on the same page as like we think we, they are. Yeah. I, I, I that's what I think. I don't think Sperano does for a second. I don't but, think Sperano wants anything to do with Tebow. But see, we thought that he really wanted Tebow here. No, I thought. Well, I don't know. I thought he could use him. I thought he thought he could use him, but it's clear he has no idea how to use him either. Well, maybe that's part of the problem. But I don't think, as an every-down quarterback, I don't think he wants Tim Tebow at all. Hmm. I can't see... See, here's where that whole thing runs into a snag for me. I can't see a football guy who knows as much about football as Rex Ryan does genuinely thinking 
that Tim Tebow is a better option than Mark Sanchez, especially given the, given the lack of talent, especially given the lack of surrounding talent, and a cohesive offensive line. I mean, everybody says, oh, you know, you put Tebow in and, you know, good luck throwing to those receivers or whatever. That's not the problem. Tim Tebow doesn't need great receivers. He needs receivers that can get deep. He's got one in, Sean, in, in Stephen Hill if he's healthy. The problem is going to be that offensive line has clearly has no idea how to block for the Wildcat. Clearly. Has no idea how to run block, period. Look, this is giving me a headache. You know the thing with Rex, <laughs> and, and we could move on. No, no, I just I just don't know what to do anymore, Bri. Well, here's... here's I don't know who to trust. This is like a Grisham <laughs> novel. That's the thing. The thing for, with Rex for me is that he could get everybody back on his side. If he would knock it, I, I mean, I, the ship has probably sailed. He's just—he's oh, just painted himself as such a clown that even it's if he sad. reversed course, he we, can't. He can't do it. But he—but that's how he could—he—he he might be able to save himself if he were to kind of go down with the ship rather than. Yeah, well, it's not going to happen because you—you you watch the press conferences from the last two days, and he says things like, "I will get it turned around." I do, you know. Do you feel like you have enough talent here? I do. I really well, do. No, well, what's I he going to say? Brian, well, say, say, I don't know. Say, I don't know. Say, I don't I don't know if we have enough talent here. I, I, I don't know. I hope we do. We better figure it out soon. If he really wanted to throw them under the bus, he would say, no, we don't have enough talent. That's right. I mean, one thing he tried to do over the last few days was take it all on the coaching staff. He gave the players two days off. He said, we need to soul search. He had the coach in on Monday and Tuesday and stuff like that. He put it all on the coaches. Okay? But it's not. It's on the GM and the players. And then the coaches. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's on all of them, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, look, I don't know what to, I don't know who to believe anymore. I, I, I feel like uh, Matt Damon now. I don't look like Matt Damon. But I feel like, what's a, give me a trailer for this. <laughs> you don't know who to trust. Anymore. <laughs> I'm trying. I mean, to is, is, I mean, is is is. <laughs> let me throw this one at you. As a Jet fan, because I don't know how to answer this, so I'll throw it at you. Is it an awful scenario that Tebow comes in and they like win ten games? No. It's not because they're not going to win ten games as it's currently constituted. Okay, a better question. Is it a possible scenario for teams yes. to come in and lead this team to 10 wins? Of course it's possible. Is it likely? I would love to see if Tebow is, is named the starter against the Colts, how quickly Santonio Holmes heals. Wow. God. Because I, because that, I that, don't think... That would be awful. I don't think, I don't think that Holmes and Sanchez ever got on the same page. For all the lip service that we heard in the offseason with the two of them, I don't think they ever got on the same page. See, I don't think I don't think Holmes even just I don't think it even matters with Holmes as far as uh, uh who's the quarterback. I think he's that selfish that it doesn't make a difference. Oh no, I I agree, but I think that I think that there is a personal thing here with Holmes and Sanchez uh, that he's not letting go of. I think it was it, – I mean, look at look at from the Pittsburgh game to the Miami game, right? 
So all of a sudden, people start questioning San Antonio Holmes and blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, Samini asked him the question about not having a 100-yard game and all in 27 games and blah, 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 blah. And the next week, he comes out. He works his tail off in practice. He runs his routes. He catches nine balls for 148 from Sanchez. They're on the same page all day. They win the game. You know, it's an ugly game, but they win the game. I don't think he cares. I don't think it's personal with him and Sanchez. I think it's personal with him and everybody. Because he's just selfish. That's it. Who's going to make me look good? Look, they were already down in that game 17 to nothing, Bri. Okay? And he had just caught like a little four yard out. I, I, is he injured? How's that for a question? It's crazy to even speculate that he That's might not where be. That's are with this team. Is he injured? Is he actually injured? I mean, this mysterious MRI, we haven't heard anything about it. No broken still, bones. Still, still, tonight. Still, no, no worries tonight. 48 hours later, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Who did they send the MRI to? Dr. Scholes? Who? I mean, I know it's a foot and Dur- problem. And, and Dr. Somebody, Dr. Should let, somebody should let them know that Dr. Scholes is not a real foot doctor. Check the tower logs. The MRI is there. Check the logs. <laughs> we really, we really do need to put Jessup on the stand. I mean, because apparently I was absent the day they taught law at law school. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't bet against Doctor Scholes. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Rex. I go to that doctor any day of the week, twice on Sunday. I'll tell you what, though. Okay, I'm not betting against him. Okay. So uh, I think and, and and Darrell Revis with the torn ACL still not on IR still not on IR no that's right good job everybody which was which was one of the saddest motivational ploys ever like th- again this is how you know Rex has lost the team I mean it's clear why he did that right Brian it's clear he did that to signal to the team that he still thinks there's a season left. Of course, that was that was what he tried to do. Right, and he so I'm not going to put him on the IR because there's a, there's a, if there's a point zero two percent chance he could play in the Super Bowl, I want to make sure we do that. Okay, so he's trying to signal to the team, hey, look, the season's not over. I wouldn't bet against us. Well, he, look, he it's can't go on the IR and say, you know what, he's the greatest player in football, but it's next up. Who's up next? Who's up next? That's what he should have said. They, they, they're a professional sports franchise. They're a team. They cannot just give up after four weeks. Who do you when trust? They're, when they're in first place. Who do you trust? I, as a fan, I don't trust anybody. I don't trust any. Every word out of everyone's mouth right now means absolutely nothing to me. Yep. Absolutely nothing. I don't care what Rex has to say. I don't care what Mark Sanchez has to say. I don't. I especially don't care what Mike Tannenbaum has to say. Where's he been, by the way? He's been awfully quiet. Funny, the guy who does an interview every week. Right, but maybe he's working the the waiver wire right now to try to improve oh, they, the depth they, of the team. Right, they signed another uh, fullback running back. I mean, who cares? They they haven't signed a wide receiver. They like who they have. So go ahead, run run Sanchez out there with. Uh, well, they brought Jordan White back today. For the practice practice squad. squad. Didn't even sign him to the active team. And they cut Patrick Turner. Again. Again. 
which fine. Patrick Turner gave up on that play. I would have cut him when they when we got back to the locker room. He gave up on a route across the middle for Sanchez. These guys went to USC together. They're supposed I know. to be boys. They were in the student union hanging out. They're supposed to be buddies. They were they were going to Mel's diner on Sunset. They were boys. At SC. Well, they, Scotty McKnight wouldn't have given up on that route. No, I'll tell you that much. I mean, he might have dropped the ball. And, and he probably would have dropped the ball. Locked yeah. in the head, but he wouldn't have given up. Uh, they're just. Uh, it's... Where do we go from here, Steve? Where Where do we go from here? Where you you kind of have this, you know, this thing going per- on. I don't know personal, what. Right, a personal right, sort of confidence, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff we could call it. A lot of things, but you have that go on on Sunday. Yep. How do you reconcile that and go forward? Because it is only the fifth week of the season, and a lot can happen. Nothing good. Right? There's no, there's no... Here's where I am right now. It'll probably change by Monday, and I'll probably watch the game, although I'm going to be... I vowed I'm going to be subdued. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to... you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm to the point where I don't drink. I don't eat. I don't do anything while I'm watching the game. Well, you can't enjoy it. Exactly. So I'm, I'm tired of that. If I watch the game on Monday, and I... Who are we kidding? I'm sure I will. Of course you will. I'm going to maybe, you know, put Wes to bed, sit down with Teresa, you know, we'll have maybe have a bottle of wine, we'll hang out, and, and the game will be on. I'm not freaking out. And here's what I want to happen. You ready? Okay. I'm saying it for posterity. At 1046, wow, we've done 45 minutes. Uh, I'm saying it at 1046 Eastern Standard Time. I'm even stamping it with the Walter Cronkite on October the 2nd, 2012. 10.46 Eastern Standard Time. My, The way I'm feeling right now, I would not at all be upset if they went 3-13, and 13, fired the GM, fired the head coach and his staff, got the second pick in the draft, and started over. And as, as my brother called it, the Stinkerino for Gino. <laughs> Last year you had Suck for Luck. This year we're going to Stinkerino for Gino. I, I, that's where I am. That's what they've done to me. The Mets have done this to me, and now the and now the Jets have. That's what they've done to me. And I, and I hope they cut Mark Sanchez loose, and I hope Tebow does come in, and I hope he fails miserably, and I hope he's gone. And we just start over. But you know that at the end of the season, none of that is going to happen. That's correct. <laughs> so you're not, you can't even get the fresh start that you want. Nope. Because the window is closed here. This is, you know, I like to say that, and it's part of a whole bigger thesis I have on the Met Jet fan versus the Yankee Giant fan because is it Yankee, on the is it on the dash in the history of it comes in at, of the comes apostrophe in the dash <laughs> it's a thesis on the history of the apostrophe and it's, it's not like to be as footnoted a, on that if you're using it <laughs> you should you will definitely be footnoted uh, on you that you will be correctly attributed don't worry <laughs> no but go ahead I'm sorry larger thesis about the Met Jet fan and the uh, Giant Yankee fan the Giant Yankee fan 
is always there. So they don't to live and die with their team is not it, it's not like a life or death thing, life or death in sports terms obviously. Yes. With the Yankee and the Giant fan because the 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 potential of them being there is much greater each year. Year in year out, Yankees are going to be are going to be in the mix, the Giants are going to be in the mix. The Jets and the Mets and I, I I can't quite figure out this phenomenon, but the Jets and the Mets have windows. And if you look through their histories, this is how it all bears out. They get windows. And within that window, they have a very short opportunity to capitalize. Okay? Two to three years at best. Two to three years, maybe maybe four is pushing it. But if you look like you look at the last window for the Mets, the Mets window was 2006, 2007, 2008. That yep. was their window. Yep. They didn't capitalize on it, and now it's a period of disarray. Utter Jets, disarray. What? Utter disarray. Utter. Can we add utter disarray to that? This is utter, yeah, this is utter disarray. Okay, thank you. For the Jets. Voracious disarray. <laughs> Voracious disarray. There's my mother. You can, you can, you can only there. use it for reading <laughs> That's right. and for an appetite. There's my mother sitting there reading, smoking. Go ahead. The Jets' recent window began with Sanchez and Rex in 2008. And I think we're going to find that that window closed when they walked off the field in Pittsburgh. Listen, you're shaking your head, but it goes on. The window closed in Pittsburgh. Then they got it back open last year until that Sunday night game against New England, right. when first place was theirs for the taking. This is our time. We're taking over. You're coming into our house on Sunday night, and we're going to take that next step, and we are now going to take over the AFC East. And what happened? The Patriots smacked them down on national TV on a Sunday night, and four nights later they went to Denver and got Tebowed, which is probably why they have Tebow right now because of that game. And that right there is when the window for this particular group officially shut. That was it. Yep. Because you everything are, has gone wrong since that Denver. Could not agree more. And that's why I want it to blow up now. Because I want a new window. Like I don't uh, want the I don't want this team to be just good enough to go six and ten or seven and nine. Right. Unfortunately, people always try to force that window back open for right. a lot longer than they should. And they definitely will now. Although. That window could close, or that window is closed. That window could stay closed very quickly if, when Tebow takes over. I can't believe we're even saying it. I can't believe the words are coming out of my mouth, and they're true. We always said if if Tebow is starting on this team, things have gone horribly wrong. Yes. Well, guess what? Things have gone horribly wrong. For two games, yes. Um, but... It, it, that, that window may stay closed if uh, and when Tebow takes over on this team, he fails miserably. Then you got to blow up the whole thing. That Then I think you can blow up the whole thing. Then I think Woody gets to the end of this season. Tebow hasn't worked. The fans aren't coming. There's empty seats. They get to that last game of the season and it's blacked out because there's 20,000 empty seats. Okay, Tebow or no Tebow, because because what he doesn't understand and he never has, and we got to move on to baseball because I'm uh, I'm I'm getting very upset. We don't have to do anything, but I'd like to move on to baseball. It's getting late. 
It is getting old. Um, <laughs> is what he what he doesn't what Woody Johnson has always failed to understand is that the Jet fan is not going to pay to see a crap team, not a good team, quarterbacked by Tim Tebow. They don't care. He's not enough to just make people come. Well, he's the, listen. He's the classic clueless owner that knows that the diehards are going to be there no matter what, and all he's concerned about are the casual guys walking around with the Tebow jerseys. That's all. That's that's his focus. That's where he's dedicating all of his attention to are those fringe fans that yeah, sometimes they like the Giants, sometimes they like the Jets. Let's reel them into the Jets with all of these gimmicks and 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 stunts and publicity stunts and Tebow and. But what he doesn't un- right, right. But what he doesn't understand, Brian, is that there's not that many of those. No, he doesn't. He no. And there's certainly not. An, there's certainly not seventy five thousand of them that are going to pay two hundred dollars a seat, or two hundred and fifty dollars, or four hundred dollars, or five hundred dollars, to go see Tim Tebow as quarterback on a seven and eight team. They're not. They don't care. And and it's becoming apparent that. You know, the only negative attention is no attention for this guy because he wants attention. Yep. Well, he's got plenty of he's got plenty of eyes focused on this team right now, but for all the wrong reasons. It's a it's a it's an extraordinary confluence of events where it, it really is where in an election year he's got, you know he's got no no I'm just saying it it, it is an election year and he I is get nervous though when you go there but he is the campaign fundraiser for Mitt Romney and he is. A, a very conservative uh, uh, political person who's very big in the Republican Party right now, who has traded for the biggest neocon athlete in professional sports, a complete lightning rod, Okay, who's going to be the starting quarterback of the New York Jets on Election Day. I mean... Are we teasing yeah. the new show? Are we teasing RTU politics We're right teasing now? RTU right. politics. <laughs> Here's the I, again, I'm not saying he did that on purpose, Cal. I'm saying it's I an did. interesting confluence of events. But now let me ask you this last question on Woody Johnson. Then we can move on. Or you Tebow can... is successful, and he's on Fox and Friends. Uh, okay, you know, in in three weeks, if he wins two games in a row, and he's a guest on O'Reilly. Okay, uh, not great. I don't love that. Do you <laughs> do you think? That once the election is over, one way or the other, whoever wins the election, once the election is over, that will kind of shake Woody out of his funk and and he'll kind of realize what's going on here and then maybe do something about it? Um, No. Because his priority right now is the campaign. Yeah, maybe. That's not a bad uh, idea, Bri, but I I still don't think he's suddenly going to get it. I still think he thinks... It's more important to have a draw, or what he thinks is a draw, than to have a winning team. Hmm. What he doesn't understand, and we can sort of button it. Oh, oh, I have some news, by the way. We can button it with this. Uh, What he doesn't understand is that a winning team always draws. Always. Uh, San Antonio Holmes out for the year. Uh, with, With what? Do we know what? Lis Frank. Oh, of course. The old Lis Frank. Yeah. Lis Frank. Out for the year. Out for the year. Okay. 
So I guess he was hurt. Well, or they or they faked it. <laughs> I don't uh Doctor Schultz is Doctor Schultz is reporting. <laughs> Doctor Schultz, Do- something stinks here. Doctor Drake Ramore. Doctor Spichemin. Doctor Spichemin. <laughs> well, you can listen to Doctor Spaceman. <laughs> Doctor Spichemin. What a great, tremendous character. I mean, just so good. Brilliant. And Chris Parnell plays him. Plays him great. Yeah, perfectly. Ah, uh, Doctor. No. Liz, you're going to see Dr. Spichemin. I'm going to see Dr. Spaceman. <laughs> Somebody's getting pregnant. Somebody's getting pregnant. Um, okay, that should uh, wrap it up with the Jets. No San Antonio Holmes. You know what they won't do? Sign a receiver. You know why? They love the guys they have, Cal. Jabbar Gaffney signed somewhere today. Yeah, went to the Dolphins. Be okay. Dolphins. Dolphins figured that out. Figured out that they need a receiver. They're gonna roll with uh they're gonna roll with uh Stephen Hill in his third NFL game. Injury prone apparently. Injury prone Stephen Hill in his third uh Chaz Schillens, who uh, let's be fair, could put it together and be a very solid number two receiver. Well, Gotta be honest also. No, no, I wanna be fair here. Okay. F honesty. That's right, that's where we're at. <laughs> that's right. It's no longer let's be honest, it's F honesty. <laughs> uh and uh, Clyde Gates, who was not good enough to make the Dolphins. Right. Oh, and Jeremy, oh. Curley, oh, Jeremy Curley, who's been outstanding, according to Rex. That's you, what he well, said at a press conference the other day. He's been outstanding. You don't care much I don't care Jeremy Curley. Because he disappears for, for 35 minutes of a game. He he can't get off a, a, a bump at the line. Anytime he tries to put an inside move on somebody, if you force him inside and he's supposed to go back outside, he's screwed. Yep. He's screwed. You, you you could take a look at Brian. This is it. I'm, I promise. Because the Yankees are in an epic struggle right now. They're going to the top of the 12th at 3 3. Um, and the Orioles have already won their game 1 nothing. Spoiler alert! Um, but the Orioles have already won their game. The Yankees are with two runs in the ninth to tie up the game. Down 3 1 in the ninth. Raul Abanez hits a two run home run to tie the game against the woeful Red Sox. They load the bases with one out. Load the bases with one out, and the Red Sox somehow get out of it. Teixeira popped out to center field, a shallow fly to center. Wasn't it former Yankee uh, Melanson? Mark Melanson. Yeah, Mark Melanson, former Yankee, uh, huge prospect. Huge. Huge. One of the um, killer M's. So that's going on. Uh, right now, the uh, and uh, the Oakland-Texas game is going on. It's one nothing Texas in the bottom of third. A lot of baseball, but... Tie up the Jets real quick. You're watching that game the other day, and they uh, because it was on Fox, they had a different camera angle. Fox has the behind-the-quarterback camera angle. Uh, CBS doesn't often use that. So you have the behind-the-quarterback camera, uh, behind camera angle, and they're showing these plays uh, in the fourth quarter. Now, in all fairness to Sanchez, he was everything falls apart for him. When he misses a few passes, his, his mechanics go completely to crap. Still, four years into this. See, now, by now, you'd best, like to see right. that go away a little bit. He has no consistency in, in his mechanics. That's why he throws that lazy screen pass and it's picked off. It's mechanics. It's all his legs. It's all he gets lazy with the pass, whatever. But you're watching it from behind the quarterback, Brian? No one's open. I mean, no one's even close to open. 
And this has been going on for three weeks. And it's not necessarily the routes either. I mean, the, these these routes are designed to have guys get open. This isn't the this isn't the Schottenheimer problem, where on third and seven you have five guys running six yard curls. This is th- these routes are designed to get guys open. They're stop and goes. They're they're China routes. They're whatever, and nobody is open. Of course, he takes a sack. What's he supposed to do? It's it just they, it, listen, all you all. It's a sabotage. How you like that? How you like that? Wow. <laughs> You're going there, huh? Thanks, Bishop. Thanks. Appreciate that. Thanks very much. All right. Moving on to the baseball. Can I give you can I give you one last thing on Holmes tied to baseball, just on some news that I received? Yes. It's kind of a this you get a kick out of this one. So Santonio San well, Santonio Holmes was hurt. As it turns out. Yes, we so I guess, speculated that perhaps he was faking. Right, I guess we have to give him give him credit for being hurt. But um, it was announced tonight that R.A. Dickey, R.A. Dickey had suffered, uh, he's, he's going in for surgery in two weeks for an abdominal tear that he suffered earlier in the season. Wait, what? Okay. So I, he appears to be okay. I mean, obviously he's been okay because he went out and won 20 games this year. Right. He but pitch, he has done it with an abdominal tonight, tear. Right? I'm sorry? He pitched tonight, too, right? He pitched tonight. Didn't He got a no decision. He left the game with uh, down 3-1. They came back to tie at 3-3, but they lost the next innings. But R.A. Right. Dickey pitched, went, pitched half a season, supposedly, won 20 games, could potentially win the Cy Young Award. He had an abdominal tear. Antonio Holmes gets hurt. Nobody's even near him, and he and he, throw, and he lets go of the ball. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just gonna make that correlation right there. Gutsy, gutsy, San Antonio. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> about that. So uh, with the baseball, we're on the penultimate day of the season. Uh, we have uh, Elwood has called in again, Cal. Okay. Do we want to give? Can we give Elwood sixty seconds to wrap the football? Yeah, let's give him 60 seconds. Okay. Uh, so our, our buddy Elwood is calling in. He called in last week. And uh, PJ's playing some intro. Beautiful. Elwood. Welcome hey, back what's to the, up? Welcome back to the program, man. We, we're really up against it on time, but we, we definitely want to give you, like, you know, a minute or two, so go. Oh, no, I'm just, just, just <laughs> what is it now? Eight more days to the Colts-Jets game? I'm, I'm like, giddy. It's like, oh, yeah. I cannot wait. The Jets just keep getting worse and worse. And I'm like, and I'm hoping that the Colts will want to win one for Pagano, you know, since he's in the hospital and stuff. Yeah, terrible so, news there. Terrible uh, news Well, there. I think he, they're the giving like 90% chance of it. Oh, sure. But, so you know, I you never, you never want to hear that, yeah. No, you don't. But I, I don't, you know, don't start digging. looks like he's going to be fine. <laughs> no, no, of course but, not. Um, I, oh, it was so funny today. I thought of you guys. My nephew and I, he's about three. We were heading out of the grocery store, and he puts his little 50 cents in to get his football helmet, and he throws yeah. it on the ground and went, oh, man. I said, what happened? You got the pads? He says, no, I got the Jets. Yeah, it's tough. And I said, tough. And I said, oh, well, they're okay. They're from New York. We're Mets fans. He said, Uncle, that's baseball. And I went, hey, I've trained him well. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Hey, uh, how, how are you gonna how are you gonna feel about taking on Tebow, Elwood? You feel like you guys are well, prepared for that? Play? 
Well, they just keep drinking the green Kool-Aid and say, "Oh, Sanchez is the answer." Oh, Sanchez. No, is nobody's the drinking the nobody's drinking the green Kool-Aid. Elwood. They're well, going to they're, they're going to go to Tebow probably uh, after they get demolished by uh, the Texans. Oh yeah, oh the Texans. You know they've got to strike while the iron's hot because Indianapolis always shuts them down. And with us being a new team and with luck being so green, and it's going to take two or three years to rebuild, they mm-hmm. got to move. Because once the Colts are up and running and back to their usual self, they're done. You mm-hmm. know? So uh, they yeah. got to go. I mean, last year they blew a beautiful opportunity because when the team fell apart, they. Sh- but it's Texas, you know. They'll find a way to mess it up. And I don't believe in the coach. I still don't believe in the coach. I don't like that whole team. There's, I'm not a big fan of multiple teams in the same state. You know, I just, I think it just weakens the whole. But then again, I'm from a place that only has, you know, so I could, right. I could be a little biased, but. I am. I'm just so pumped for that game. What do you guys think? Is the atmosphere there? Are they getting worried? Because I Word. think you know Elwood. Term- Elwood. The place. The place blew up. Elwood. Jet fans. Are, jet fans. Are, are you kidding? Oh, no, worried's not the word. Elwood. Because they're ready. They're ready to. They're ready to uh, uh, hang uh, Tannenbaum, Rex, everybody. They're ready to yeah, run everybody ready. out of town. Hey, Beyond I'm, panic. I'm a Colts fan from 2011. I know the feeling. But here's the thing. At the start of the season, I was thinking, oh, no, we got to play the Jets. There's an L. And I was until the point now where I'm like, the Colts are doing so much better and the Jets are doing so much worse, I think they're going to hit somewhere in the middle. And I think this is going to be a really awesome game. Well, you it's know, going to be Tebow's first. The, the Colts got a lot going. I mean, they need to work on that defense. Luck is so green. The coach is out. You know, Austin Colley's out. We lost a few key people, got a few key people. You know, so I think this is going to be a fun. I mean, this game is just going to be sweet. I can't. You know, once we get by, and Green Bay, see, I'm not as excited about because I'm a little worried about that one. Uh, well, that's, that's going to be well, they're a good team, Elwood. Yeah. Green Bay, yeah, that's oh, what I said. That's and Aaron Rodgers is, you know, it's just like, you know, I'm a little worried. But then again, any given Sunday, I remember when the in the late '90s the Colts were terrible during the Hardball era. There towards the end, I mean, they uh-huh. couldn't win anything, and Green Bay was like the juggernaut that couldn't be beat. Colts whipped them. So uh, it's an any given situation. Yeah. Hey, I've seen it. I, I was at that Jets game in Indianapolis, and they thought they were going to the AFC, and boom, Colts. Oh, sorry, I should have brought that up. Yeah, but, that's okay. We did beat you the next year, though. There. Oh, did you? I don't recall. We but, did. We did beat you. How'd you guys <laughs> do in the Super? How'd you guys do in the Super Bowl that year? Uh, I, I just I gotta do it. I gotta do it. If you're gonna come at me, I gotta do it. I love no. you. I gotta do it. <laughs> we didn't lose that Super Bowl. Jim Caldwell did. That's true. But, uh, oh, well, he doesn't have a job. That, hey, we got, <laughs> right. to host, we got to host the Super Bowl last year, so I, that made up for not being in it. I tell you, that was a blast. I mean, uh-huh. I lived nine blocks from the Super Bowl. It was so I, I even went, and it was That's great. I, 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 and I didn't know what to wear. I thought my, my skin will burn if I put on anything that's pats, and I thought I don't really want to wear anything giant, so I just wore some kind of blue and whitey or something. It was great. Hey, uh, what do you guys think about the Mets? Is there any hope? I mean, I just oh. feel like I just—I'm not seeing anything I like. You know, usually there's some glimmer of hope, you know, but it's there's, like I'm uh, not seeing the glimmer. You know what? I was gonna say that. You know what the hope is? The hope is that the season only has one day left, and oh. that we could, you know, we could put the season to bed for next it's year. So- but I, it's it's going to be a very and we're going to do uh, you know once we get into the off season and stuff like that we'll have 
a couple of the Met bloggers on, and we'll do like a uh, – and Elwood, we got to run, but we'll talk to you before that Jets-Colts game. Thank you, pal. Oh, yeah. I'll hit you up on Twitter. Don't worry. Cool. <laughs> I'll get um, uh, sorry. Thank you, Elwood. Uh but with the Mets, uh, the only thing I was going to say about the Mets tonight was, other than the R.A. Dickey thing and, and the talk about hope, we'll have uh, Patrick Flood back on, Ted Berg, those guys from SNY and stuff like that. It's going to be an extremely interesting offseason. But mercifully, this uh, offseason has ended, and, and uh, or the season is about to end. And it's unbelievable, Cal. We could get a really good final day again tomorrow. Well... Uh, the, like you're calling, this is the penultimate day. This tonight has been unbelievable already. Yeah, no. Already, the Yankees are in the bottom of the twelfth now with this game with Boston. Boston hanging in there, hanging tough. Let's sit, let's just let's set the stage real quick as we as we headed into tonight's action. Major League Baseball in the American League, all five teams had clinched playoff spots. Right. So the so the five teams in the playoffs have all been set, but you've got two. The American League East and the American League West, both divisions were only separated by a game with two games left. Yep. In the East, Baltimore's playing Tampa Bay. They won tonight one nothing. So now they are a half a game behind the Yankees, who continue to play as we speak at 11-10 on October 2nd. <laughs> Bottom of the 12th, tied 3-3 with the Red Sox. If the Yankees lose that game, the two teams will head into the last day of the season in a tie for first place. Unreal. On the other side, in the American League West, Oakland is a game behind Texas, but the two teams are playing each other yep. right now. Texas right now leads one nothing in the fourth. But if, if Oakland wins tonight, they'll be in the exact same situation tomorrow, where the winner of that game tomorrow will win the division. The loser will go into the one-game wild-card playoff. Right. So tomorrow, is, if, if the A's can win tonight, tomorrow essentially becomes a playoff game. It becomes it becomes an actual playoff game because you do not want to be in that one game playoff. Yep, you want that division to assure yourself that you get a five game series. It's amazing what's going on now over in the National League. Right, they're not left out of this too. Okay, the Dodgers are two games behind the Cardinals. For that, for that, there's two game, two games behind with two games left. Well, the Cardinals lost tonight. They did. They lost to the Reds. Wow. So now the Dodgers have an opportunity. To nice. go and, and, and cut the gap to one game with one game left. They're losing to San Francisco right now 2-1. to one. And who better to keep the Dodgers out? But the Giants. Than their, than their hated rival, the Giants. And the Dodgers, them. on a seven-game winning streak right now, they're going to need a ten-game winning streak to close the season out to make the playoffs. Right. Now, they could tie, right? Well, they would have to win the next two games. Right. St. Louis would have to lose tomorrow, right? which would force the tie for the wild card. A one-game playoff for the one-game playoff. Right, but the one, that one-game playoff would be game 163. Right, not a, an official playoff game. Not an official playoff game to determine who goes into the, into the playoffs. Right. But it's, it's just it's crazy, and, you know, for, for all the grief that we give Bud Selig, and I don't want to give Bud Selig credit for this. No. Because he has nothing to do with this. Please Bud Selig... Bud Selig created the wild card, right? He, yes. the, second, the second wild card. Well, he ushered in the wild card. He ushered in the second wild card. And I don't think Bud Selig's created anything since his children. But. Well, guess what? Even If you take that second wild card out of the mix right now in the American League, you'd still have the exact same thing going on. You would, right. You would have the exact same thing going on, except that there'd be two teams fighting for one spot. Or actually, 
four teams fighting for two spots. Right. Because all of the because they are all they're so a game closely like grouped together. Right. Yeah. So you would still have it going on. And it's just you know it's 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 but it but it, it is serving the purpose Cal of making the division, making winning your division, that much more important. That's what so they wanted to important. do. They wanted to make having to win your division more important. Yep. So it's now it's huge because now nobody wants any part of that that one game playoff, and nobody can figure out what to get Millie and Jimmy for their wedding gift. We're dealing with some serious stuff here. If things were to end the way that they that they if they ended right now, you'd have Baltimore and Oakland. We'd all be screaming as well. We would be screaming. If it all ended right now. Right now, yes. <laughs> the other things on our mind besides the wild card. I don't know if there would be. Yeah. I'm very concerned. You might be right. I'm 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 going to watch it tomorrow night. I mean, the debates are on. The first debate is on tomorrow night. This is on tomorrow night. It's a big TV night. It's a huge TV night. Very solid TV night, which is why I'm glad we moved the show to, to Tuesday. Because normally I would be doing show prep on Wednesday on Wednesday night. Right. Now you don't have to. Now, now I do my show prep on Monday night. And next Monday night, I'll be watching the Jets get waxed. You got a whole week. Look, we didn't talk about the Giants at all. Fine. The Giants lost a very difficult game to the Eagles. The Giants are going to win 10 games at least and be in the playoffs. Next question. They're an excellent team. It was a very difficult loss. You can question Tom Coughlin not running the ball there or not trying to get a little closer, blah, 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 blah. It's a tough, hard-fought game on the road. The Eagles can beat anybody on any given day and look like absolute crap the next day. So you know, or the next week or whatever. So I don't put too much stock in that giant loss. Without Hakeem Nix on the road, you know, a 10-day layoff, which actually I don't think was a good thing for them. Well, they've had a really bizarre first-month schedule. They played on a Wednesday night, then they played on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday and afternoon then they played on a Thursday night, Thursday night, and then they played on a Sunday, Sunday night. night. Really bizarre schedule. Hey, you know what? Don't win a Super Bowl next year. You don't have to play that schedule. That's right. I'll take that schedule for a Jet Super Bowl, which is not happening. They could play on Tuesday morning for all I care. Right. They win a Super Bowl. The uh, the window's closed. You made the absolute correct point. I with love that group. point. Yeah. We we need to do a, a dedicate a show to that thesis, by the way. Of the window being closed. Yeah. Or the thesis of the of the Met Jet fan Met Jets with windows that they right. have to work within and a little of both. The Yankees like. and Giants with the French doors that they just, you know... The French doors. Yeah, that open out there. to right. the world. While they sip on uh, general inter- international coffees. Right. They're long, flowing robes and silk <laughs> curtains in the wind. We always had this rule that if... Uh, because you used to... Remember those commercials or whatever? So uh, my buddy Kevin and I always had this rule that when you drink coffee, you have to do the... Sh- or actually, it was with Dan. It was with Nello. You have to do the shoulder shrug as you bring it to your lips. You got to do the mm, and then you make the the mm face as right. if you're. This is warm and good, and it's reminding me of Jean Luc. I think you and can my do it time soup. in Paris. Can't you do it with soup too? You can do it with soup, sure. You got to do the shrug though. Just bring it up, take the sip, shrug the show. No, 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 no. It's Why? not because, like that at all. Because I said Jean Luc. Let's not. That's not fair to Jean Luc. Um. And then you do the shrug, and then you say, ah, this is good. You give a knowing nod to whoever you're hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't this good? This is good. Right, and you don't have to say anything, though. It's not Swiss Miss. What is it? Yeah. Cafe, it's, Cafe it's Ole. International. Cafe Ole. International. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jean-Luc. 
gosh, I remember that commercial. Okay. Um, we, we're going a little longer tonight. You know. Sure? You're not going to bump it again? I think we're bumping it again. <laughs> we can't bump it again. Can we at least tease it? Let's do like five minutes of it. All right, fine. I, but I did want to also mention that, uh, and, and we're going to talk about this next week, I don't care. It just so happens that the entire jet season blew up this week. So we, we would have been doing a disservice if we didn't talk about it. But, Cal, well, I don't think it's as big of a topic as you think. <laughs> well, well, it is for us. Is it? Is it? The, is it a big? To- it's that big of a topic? All right, I'm it's sorry. The lead. Okay, I'll put it to you this way, Peach. Yesterday there was a poll on ESPN. Overall, not ESPN New York. ESPN. It was the lead story, and the poll was Sanchez or Tebow, and like seventy-five thousand people voted. Okay, it's a big story. I thought you meant the uh, cover song. I thought you were Tebow, talking about sixty-five percent. <laughs> we were, I was talking about cover song. It's a cover big song. Wait story. a minute. <laughs> the Daily uh, News put up a poll. What was your favorite cover song of the last twenty years? <laughs> uh, the NHL is uh, locked out. Who? Right. And I and, I and as I said today, if what if the NF, NHL threw a lockout and nobody came? Does anybody? Anybody? Did you see the rumor about Lafontaine maybe buying the uh, the island or buying the Islanders? Did you see that? I saw something about it. The uh, uh, well, Raul Abanez has just uh, ended the ball game there. Yankees win. The Yankees win on a uh, base hit by Raul Abanez, scoring uh, the mascot. I mean, Francisco Cervelli. Or was it a pinch runner? No, it was Cervelli. Oh, um, it's it's so disappointing because Andrew Miller got the first two outs and then he threw eight balls in a row. <laughs> Good job, everybody. To walk Cervelli and Granderson. I tell you that Red Sox, that's that's some team they put together and, there. And can I and can I tell you this is less about me being a Yankee hater no, and more, is, and more think... about me being a fan of craziness tomorrow night, which yeah, we can I don't... still have. I don't think it had anything to do with you being a Yankee hater. I think it had to do with you. Uh, it doesn't for me. I I just wanted a tie going into tomorrow. But you know what? We could we could still have the same exact thing tomorrow. It's over. Think it's over. We got to talk about the NHL lockout next next week, though. We really do. And also about this Lafontaine thing. Did you see this? I did see that about a group uh, led by Pat Lafontaine um, buying the Islanders. No, there's no chance. But. Um, it was interesting. At least somebody's somebody's interested. You know? At least somebody... That would be nice. Uh, okay, uh, fun load. Let's just do like a minute. Like two minutes, and then we'll do it next week in full. Gonna rush it? We need Scott anyway to do it in full. He's not around right now. No. Sleeping. <laughs> Are you having trouble with the faders, PJ? What is going on? I think that indicates we're just doing a quick one. That was oh, a quick I, one. Oh, Good, good call. Good job. Time for a fun. Uh. <laughs> time for a fun. Um, it's time for a fun. Now, what I, do you uh, call it when when one band plays another band's song? Uh, a lawsuit. A mistake. <laughs> I, it, it, I, uh, here's my point on the cover thing. And then next time we talk about it next week or whatever, or if we ever do, we do we got to do a special one maybe and to name our favorite covers. But what mm. cracks me up about it, the reason I even wanted to talk about it was, if you've ever gone to see a band 
and they do a cover that you weren't expecting, why is it always the greatest thing that's ever happened? Like, why do you always turn to whoever you're at the concert with and you're like, I can't believe they're doing this. No way. I, I just cannot believe they're doing this Tony Orlando and Dawn song. This is awesome. People I, like to be surprised. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what the song is. I think no, it doesn't sure. matter what the song is. Shouldn't it matter no. if it's a good version of the song? Not live, I think, no. I think part of it is is, rec- is trying to recognize it before anybody else does. That right. oh my god they're doing this. That's right. Right. Okay. Like, what are you talking about? No, you hear foreign chords. You're like they've never played a song in this key before. Oh my god, they're playing creep. Oh. <laughs> okay, but uh, there should be some sort of level uh, assessment. Like there should be some sort of level of awesome. You know, like if they're covering a song that, well, big deal. Like they're like they're covering "Unbelievable" by Jesus Jones or what? Or uh, right here, right now. Well, no, right here, right now. But Jesus Jones would be cool. Who does uh, "Unbelievable"? What was that? EFO or something like that? Uh, EMF. 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 Thank you. You know, that's not it, well. If Metallica was covering that, that would be cool. Never mind. But there's got to be a level. I'll give you my prime example. Okay, I went to see Elliot Smith once. Actually, got to see him a couple times. But I went to see Elliot Smith at the Beacon with a full band. Okay, it was on the Figure Eight tour, okay. and it was uh, right around Halloween, and they did "Don't Fear the Reaper," and it was it was awesome. They killed it. They killed it, and you 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 know you heard the initial riff or whatever, and you were like, "Oh, I can't believe he's doing "Don't Fear the Reaper" at Halloween," and he's dressing up as the Reaper and running around. That was that tremendous cover. Great call. Unexpected. Didn't see it coming. Classic song. All the elements are there. Mm-hmm. Now I'll give you. I'm, I'm trying. I was trying to think today of one that I was like, okay, and and it's probably Pearl Jam, <laughs> unfortunately, because they are magnificent live. Right. But it was a show at Madison Square Garden, and it was like a Bob Dylan cover or something, and it was like, really, okay. Like, oh, cool, I can't believe he's doing this obscure Bob Dylan song that nobody knows. Yep. Well, that, see, that, that's, that's a different level of cover. You've uncovered the downside of covers, one of which is it's a whole category. It's the really overindulgent, slowed-down acoustic version of anything, which for some reason certain artists just love to do. It's like, let's take this perfectly fine song, slow it down, it quietly over guitar and sound deep with it. It's terrible. Well, you know what part of the problem is these days is with all your singing competitions, like your American Idol, your The Voice, oh, your X call. Factor. All all it is is cover songs. That's all yeah. they do. Great call, oh, Danny. You know, so now you can now so all you hear now are self indul self indulgent covers that don't make any sense that that aren't. Don't fear the Reaper on Halloween, which makes yeah. perfect sense and, and is, is you know brilliant. Right. Now it's um, you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do a you know I'm gonna do a Celine Dion song just because I want right. to you know show no, how great it, I can sing. Or it's part right. of that episode that week, like they're like on American Idol where they're doing all Celine Dion songs. Right. And then and reimagining Smokey Robinson oh. week. <laughs> we, Cal, were you sitting on this point for three weeks? By the way, because it's magnificent. No, no. 
Did that was that improvisation? That yeah, that just came to me. Because it's 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 the point, right? Because That's what's ruined covers. It's the proliferation of these shows over the last ten years. You killed it. Just killed it. That was that was downright Klosterman-ish. And th- those Look. are all very bad performers. Which that's what, what, what <laughs> that's the real point here. Let's that's the fill a room problem. with amateurs and have them all sing "You Raise Me Up" <laughs> <laughs> together. Together. Just a room full of people singing. This Gosh, I you know I had not even taken that into account. That idea that that these, especially American Idol. Well, let me give you another example. Just I only know this from my wife. Wink, wink. Apparently, apparently, Kelly Clarkson does a thing, and every show she asks the audience, "What song do you want me to sing?" Oh no. Every like every single show. Okay. So. She, so every night it's a new cover of whatever hot song is is out today. Oh, so she'll do Call Me Maybe if you if you yes. ask for it. Exactly. She's karaoke. But that, but that's what that's what these covers are. They're karaoke. Right. They're not they're not it's not artistic. It's that's not, not the covers I wanted. I I'll never forget. I I think it was on American Idol where they did somebody did an Elliot Smith song. Am I mistaken there, Peach? Uh, no, Elliot Smith has been done on uh, American like they Island. did Miss Misery maybe or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think I I, well, I vomited a lot in my mouth. I mean, I I really like really like you can't come well, on. It's it nothing. Real, no, it was real sacred? earnest. It was it wasn't somebody just trying to be hipper than the room. It was really earnest. Um, but I'm not faulting still the not performer. good. Still not yeah. at all good. I mean, I'm sure the performer gave their all on it. But, there's, but. Not, there's, there's nothing more galling than when someone comes to you and says, oh, my God, did you see American Idol last night? They did that song, Hallelujah. It was amazing. <laughs> which has been... It was a 16-year-old girl. Right, which has been covered probably more than pretty much any song ever. Right, well, but it's like, of you thesis, notice... Part of my cover thesis is that all but two versions of Hallelujah suck. I, I'm I'm down. Can I can there I guess? Two. Can I give you my? I know one of them. I know you know what my two are, but yeah, I one of them is. Short. I disagree. I think one of them is. I think oh, what I, I would think. be, I would be shocked if one of them, all three of us, don't have. It's got to be the Jeff Buckley one. Yes, hate it. You hate that. That is the beginning believe, of the I, I believe I'm hanging up on trend. you now. I believe nope, I'm hanging up on you now. This is a that's bit the beginning of the overindulgent trend. I'm sorry. If ever there was a guy who was too in love with his voice, it was Mr. Buckley. Are you Buckley. kidding me? Gurgle, gurgle. Yes. Wow. You're wrong. I, I love Hallelujah. that. Hallelujah. I, I know what it sounds like. Please stop. Let me hold the note as long as he does. Wow. Have you no respect? Yeah. First stop of it. all, that's a great impression. Second of all, <laughs> uh, what a lovely singing voice you must have. It's the pressure. It's I. I. How dare you? How dare you? Hallelujah. I, you remember Steve, when? What's the other one? You remember when we used to be friends? It's, it's over. It's over, Johnny. Steve, what's the other one? My other one is uh, the Wainwright one. Okay. Hate I that like one the, too. I like that. I like that one. 
I don't love it, though. The, the only one I really, truly love is Buckley's. And how dare you? Oh, how dare you? Terrible. <laughs> Here's one for you. That's almost, it's a little bit embarrassing. My wedding song is a, is a cover song. Your wedding song is a cover song? Yes. So your wedding song is a version of a, is yes. a cover, cover version of a song. My wedding song is the song Grow Old With Me by John Lennon. Okay. Beautiful song. Done by? Except done by? <laughs> my version is done by Mary Chapin Carpenter. She's awesome. Oh, she's awesome. Is that right? Oh, you give the thumbs up to her. But Jeff Buckley pouring his heart out and playing a ridiculous guitar part, by the way. Uh, that's no good. That's indulgent. It is the very definition of overrated Buckley right could, there. I could not disagree with you more. And that I think that's a album. lovely yeah. Nobody's talking about the album. Talk. All right, we have 10 seconds of live. We're going into We're going into overtime because now I'm fired up. Uh-oh. Hallelujah! Okay. This may be so, two. So make sure you join us uh, next week. We're going to be live at Blue Haven on uh, Tuesday night, most likely from 7.30 to 9. So check us out. Uh, go to www.bluehavennyc.com. Uh, check that out. Our first live remote. We will see you next week. Now, back to my former friend <laughs> and my current friend. Uh, the, no, that's fine. I respect your opinion, Peach. I disagree with you, but I, I, I happen to love that version. I have for a really long time. I also, and I know you guys can both uh, relate to this. I also hit that version or came across that version at sort of a very critical personal time. You're 20. So, well, I hit in the 90s. <laughs> my 20s. That's what... That's when that's when no. all you losers found that song. No, no. <laughs> we just happened to be the same age. No, no. It was in the nineties. Now you're just being mean. That's now you're just being mean. I was just poking. No, but I, I, honestly, it, first of all, I heard that song well before most people did because of Scoot. Only because of, of Scoot. Course. Yes, you were uh, the guy who found Jeff Buckley. No, I was. Wow. Somebody's awfully defensive about Jeff Buckley, by the way. Somebody's awfully defensive. Gee whiz, Peach. Did did Jeff he, what did Jeff Buckley do to you? What did he do? He's on my before, list of things I just don't get. Before he passed away tragically. What did he do to you? He's just on the list of things I don't get. That's all. Anyway. I don't get it. Okay. Nobody's asking you to. What are what are your let's hear these tremendous versions, uh cover versions of Hallelujah that you love so much. Well, uh, I like uh, John Cale. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said, by the way, you could have said just about anything there. I was giving that reaction. <laughs> you, you could have said. You could have said any better at that right, point. Right, you could have right. said, I like uh, John Lennon's From Beyond the Grave. I like that right. one a lot. The one, the, the lost tape that he uncovered that means that he, uh, that shows that he actually wrote the song. So I like that uh, one a lot. Yeah, no, well, I mean, Cale, Cale did like, the first version, other than the original original, and uh, I like. Uh, after many years of never of not playing it, uh, Leonard Cohen brought it back, and there's a, a live version of Leonard Cohen kind of rediscovering the song. You can't do that on, on stage, and it's, it's a uh, song. Yeah, that's not a cover. He can't cover it, himself. 
That song had been so perverted, he went out oh, and reclaimed it. Sorry, judges say, eh, incorrect. I got to agree. No, so that's well, common. then there's only one version that's good, and that's Kale. Fine. The judges will accept that answer. They will not accept the guy who wrote the song, going back and playing it years later. Hallelujah. Dude. <laughs> I don't think that that's how it goes. I don't think it sounds that way. I think you're mistaking. I think you're mistaking it for Gilbert Godfrey's version. <laughs> I hate when he does it at the end of the song. Hey, look! I told you, everybody has a version of that song. You can literally you find a version on anybody's album, yeah. including Jason Castro, American Idol contestant. Yep. Well, they, I mean, hasn't isn't that? He's like, not the only one. Yeah, isn't that like the audition song for American Idol? Well, no, but he put it on his album. <sighs> Didn't they have Hallelujah Night as a theme night? <laughs> At the oh, Sizzler? No, Maybe all seven did. contestants had to sing it. They had to sing a version of Hallelujah. Okay. I would not have watched that. I want to go back and ask you guys. So now that we... Wow, we've hit a lot of really good stuff here in a really short time. I'm proud of the group. Okay. Um, By talking about bad covers. <laughs> no, well, what we think are bad covers. Again, these right. are your opinions. Let's uh, Let's not do that. All right? I know you're a music snob, but try to control it. No. Okay? What I say goes. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Does, uh, so this question is for PJ, and then I have a question for Cal. And these questions are tailored to you boys since I've had three weeks to think about it. Ooh. Does PJ, does Pink Floyd, in any of its uh, incarnations, have a cover that you love? Be no. live or no, they do they do blues jams and stuff all the time in their sound checks. Okay, and they're they're very boring. Okay, they're straight ahead. There's nothing revelatory in any of them. Follow up question. That hurts to say, by the way. <laughs> Follow up question, and I know you'll be able to answer this. And then, I, Cal, I have a question for you. Uh, what is your favorite? unexpected cover from one of your the bands that you love. So what's what's one that a band that you love does that you didn't expect either them to do or for you to love? That I've seen or, or that's just kind of shown up on an album? No, no, no. That's shown up on an album or you have live uh, somewhere or whatever. Not that you've seen. You want to do that you've seen? You can do that you've seen first. Uh, Bono and the Edge came out on the uh, YouTube Pop Mart tour with the, uh, an acoustic guitar and did um, uh, what's the what's the song from Ghost? Uh, come on, what Unchained Melody. Unchained Melody. Unchained Melody. That, that's pretty hot. That was that was that was crazy good. And you wouldn't, again, you wouldn't think you would like that. Or not necessarily like that, but you wouldn't... I wouldn't think that they could do that. Right. That's not what (laughs) you would see them do. No. Okay, Cal. Yeah. We have have very similar tastes in music from the 90s, all those those crazy bands from the 90s, and into the aughts. But uh, the grunge era, we live through it. Yes. You're a big Pearl Jam guy. Pearl Jam famous. For cover songs, for mm-hmm. doing covers, do you have a favorite Pearl Jam? 
cover? A favorite Pearl Jam cover song? Yes. Baba O'Reilly. Live version? Live they, version. They did do it. Did they? Oh, I don't know if they've ever done a studio. I don't think they have. I don't. I feel like I yeah. haven't heard it, but Baba O'Reilly. Live version of Baba O'Reilly. Okay. Not even close. Last Kiss is okay, but Baba O'Reilly for sure. Excellent call. Peach, uh, coming back to your album question, anything there? Blind Melon did three is a magic number. That really took me by surprise. Really? Yeah, remember the old old schoolhouse rock song? Yep. That's tremendous. It's a pretty rocking version of that. I'll tell you, that was a good band. What a shame. Blind Melon. Yeah, that was a really good band. That that album is excellent. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I uh, like covers that don't remind me at all of the original. Like, you hear the cover, and, and you've forgotten what the original was. Well, I'm going like, to give you, my, uh, that in, in that vein, my two favorite covers recorded-wise over the last few years. One is definitely uh, Jolene, is is the White Stripes doing Jolene. White Stripes Jolene is great. I mean, that's just... I mean, it's 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 sung from a female perspective. I always had this theory that it'd be really cool to cover "Uninvited" by Alanis Morissette, but like for like a guy band because it's essentially like a Led Zeppelin song with a girl singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really cool song. The lyrics are great, but just have a guy cover it and not change the words at all. Just go with it. Hmm. And Jolene is just this classic, you know, country sort of bluesy, just ridiculous song, and they just kill it. He just yeah, killed well, the, their version kind of has the devil in it somehow. It does. They, they went down to the crossroads with that re- yeah. with that recording session. That's a great way of putting it. The other one <laughs> that I just absolutely love is the Foo Fighters Baker Street. I really like that. That's really good. Good call. I like the I love the Foo Fighters version of Baker. That's Street. a band that can play some covers. Oh well, they do it and they do it every year, yeah. right? Like they they release like one or two an album. Because they just uh, have you heard their "Have a Cigar" peach? Um, wait, no, I've only heard them do "In the Flesh." The Foos have a great version of "Have a Cigar." Oh, I'll have to look that up. Studio version, great version of "Have a Cigar." They do "Band on the Run," I think too. I know "Band on the Run" is another excellent cover <laughs> that they do. An excellent cover that they do. I mean, seeing Elliot Smith live, he did "Jealous Guy." And it was just him and an acoustic. Uh, that too was that. Or that was at Town Hall. Right. Uh, oof. I mean, Elliot Smith. Somebody just like shouted it out, and he was like, "Okay." And he did <laughs> "Jealous Guy." I it was just like, "I got that oh, in my pocket." Hold on. Goodness, he has a great. He had. He's no longer with us. He had a, a great version of uh, "Because" too. Studio version of "Because." Yeah. Oh, oh I love that. That's on the American Beauty soundtrack, I want to say. I think you're right. Now, how about this, guys? How about the I Am Sam soundtrack? All covers. Like, how do you feel about the soundtrack of... There's a couple of those, right? Yeah, there's an, I can't think of the other one. They're all there's good. They're all good. obvious one. But, but they, don't, they don't fulfill my criteria of making me forget about the original. Right. What does Amy Mann do on that soundtrack, by the way? What Beatles song does Amy Mann do on that soundtrack? Oh, I don't remember offhand. There's a good version of um, Across the Universe, I thought. Or is that, no, is that the Rufus or the Rufus Wainwright one? Oh, I don't care for that. 
You don't like the Rufus? Do you like the uh, Fiona Apple? I do like the Fiona Apple version. Have you heard that one, Cal? The yes. Fiona Apple across uh, the list? Ooh, yep. I like that. Amy Mann did uh, Two of Us Two with of Michael us. Penn. That's yeah. it. That was beautiful. That's excellent. Um, last thing on this, and then we're, we have to continue this at another time because... Uh, uh, You're right. This could be a whole show. This could be a whole show. And Scott, uh, my brother, uh, who was supposed to be our Lindsey Buckingham call-in guest on this, is probably going to lose his mind when he realizes we did this without him. By the way, I'm looking at the soundtrack to that movie, and it's just it's it's really good. I'm withholding one just so that Scott can say it. Okay. <laughs> what do you got there, Cal? Just give me a couple. Uh, I, know, I know the Vetter Hide Your Love Away, which I love. Right. Uh, Story of Fields Forever, Ben Harper. Oh, I don't know if I've heard that. Yes. Yeah, that's Golden, good. Golden Slumbers, Ben Folds. Right. That I've heard. Solid. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, Black Crows. I don't know if I can get on board with that. Right. Uh, Help by Howie Day. I'm definitely not on board with that. <laughs> uh, Nowhere Man, Paul Westerberg. Okay. Street cred. He's got that. Uh, Let It Be by Nick Cave. That's upsetting. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? That's a terrible job. Blackbird, Sarah McLaughlin. It's uh, designed to make me adopt a dog. Okay. Well, it was done well. Yes, I'm sure she did a nice job. So this is this is a. I'm sure wherever Sarah McLaughlin played last year, she did a heck of a job. <laughs> uh, wow, that's that's wow. Yeah. Not a fan Sarah of Sarah McLaughlin is your Jeff Buckley, apparently. <laughs> no, I. It's those damn dog commercials. She just she's I can't think of Sarah McLaughlin without think that I'm somehow neglecting adopting a dog. You're can I quickly you're mention the, that can I quickly mention person. the two worst covers I've ever heard? Yes, please. Quickly. Because I don't think the Alleluia ones are the worst. I just think they all kind of stink. The two worst yes. I've ever heard are, uh, Yes did a version of Simon and Garfunkel's America. Wait, wait. You, you had me at Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they did it. No, they did it. No need to go any version. further. They did a 10-minute version, and as you say, we shall sing like ladies. Right. Uh, they did of a ten-minute high-pitched version of America. <laughs> of course they did. It's just—I mean, it is—it is terrible. And I love you, that band. I've seen you, them twenty times. You could insert any name of a song there after they did a ten-minute version of. Well, no, they did—they do uh, used to do Beatles covers, and they—they they were really good at the Beatles covers. I, I, I so they did a ten-minute version of uh, Blackbird, right? But no, it wasn't Blackbird. Yes, no, they, would do, like, they would do like a 14-minute version of it. Jam on it, and then do the core of the oh. song again and get out. They did a 14-minute version of Please Please Me. It right. was torturous. <laughs> and the other worst one I've ever heard is Sheryl Crow's version of Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, oh. That's, that's, that's an abomination. I just hate that like disease. That's a terrible job. Yeah. Universal hatred to that. How about Guns N' Roses' Live and Let Die? Okay. One could argue it's an improvement over Paul McCartney's cheesy "Live and Let Die" from the James Bond film. I don't like that Axl Rose so much. I know you don't care for him. Last thing for me on the on the cover stuff, I do. I'm not a Fish fan at all. In fact, I actively I actively dislike Fish. Too much noodling for you. I mean, gee whiz! Don't people have places to go? I mean, come on now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Come on. You know, no song should be 37 minutes. No. What know. did they cover? Uh, well, no, they did this thing. They used to do this thing where every Halloween they would dress up as a band. And yeah. by dressing up, they would play an entire album from a, from a certain band or they would play an album in its entirety. So they would cover an entire album for their Halloween. Yeah. It was either their Halloween show or their New Year's show. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a couple of those. And like so they would do Cal they would do all of Sgt. Peppers. Just right. the whole album? Whole album. Yeah, dressed one, like them. One time they did no, not dressed like them. Just just them as oh, fish. They, they did the wall Co- once. They did the wall, they did like Led Zeppelin two. They just did the mm-hmm. whole album. That's okay. pretty cool. That is cool. That's the one fish show I would go see. Like if they I were mean, doing you know, if they were covering uh, the wall, I would go see that. Those are charming, but those are fans only. Though that's that's not for like the general population kind of covers. Is that no? Am I thinking of the Flaming Lips or is it Fish? It's Fish, right? Fish did the Wall. Flaming Lips just did Dark Side with like Henry Rollins. <laughs> did not it, did not see it that was cover. Cra- it was crazy. You couldn't really say they were covers. They were just sort of. You know, sort of inspired by. They kept the track listing, I guess. I think it's time for somebody to cover "Lump" by the President of the United States. Well, I can give you. I'll give you my my worst cover song of all time is the yeah. Elton John classic "Daniel," as covered by the '90s alt rock group Fuel. <laughs> oh my God! Is that real? Google it. <laughs> I'd rather not. It makes it makes Cheryl Crow sound like Jeff Buckley. Oh my! <laughs> Wait, she already does. To PJ, well, I can see know. Daniel waving goodbye. I like uh, uh, angst. My it's last one. Yeah, well, anything fuel does is very angsty. Bony. I uh, I also like whoever does that version of Smooth Criminal. I like that version. Alien Ant Farm. Alien, Alien Ant, Ant Farm. Tremendous. That's a really good version of that song. How about the urge overkill, uh, girl, you'll be a woman soon? Yeah, I think it's reliant on the movie. Totally, I was going to say, totally worked in the movie. Yeah, I don't... I don't Can't listen to it. It doesn't work on its own? I don't, I don't love it on its own. Hmm. How about the David movie? Lee Roth, Just a Gigolo? What? I love it. Are you kidding? Tremendous job. Can't not love <laughs> that. That EP of all cover songs with California Girls. Open up and smile, or open up and say ah, whatever it is. No, that was a, that was that's Poison, right? Right, Ooh. and that was all originals. Hey, uh, Poison, Mama, don't dance, right? That's a cover. That's the Log of the Messina tune. Yes, that is a Log of the Messina song. <laughs> it oh, sure boy. is. We gotta wrap this up. It's getting nutty now. This I is not a cover, by the way. No, sir. Well, it's a rip-off, though. <laughs> it is a definite <laughs> rip-off. Deej, uh, I, I think actually we have our first perfect uh, opportunity to have a separate fun load here, by the way. We should separate this out. And uh, it's a nice, tidy 30 minutes. I think we should separate it out. Like an egg. <laughs> like an egg. Yes, much like an egg. PJ, final unload. Gentlemen, tomorrow I begin working... World's Strongest Man, 2012. And uh, the footage just came back from California, and 
And I can't tell you who wins, but I can tell you he's really big. Spoiler alert. Cal final alert. I I hope in this in this time of crisis with the Jets, we can all kind of figure out a way to get past it because we've got a long season ahead of us. We've got 12 more weeks of football, and it's going to be painful if the next 12 weeks are like this past week. So, for everybody's sake, let's just hope things settle down and we move forward. I don't even know what to say. I I, I don't know. Get it. And and considering I have I unloaded for basically the first hour and twelve minutes of the show, I'm I'm going to simply say uh, goodbye 2012 New York Mets. Uh, thank you for the no hitter. Thank you for R.A. Dickey's uh, fantastic performance. Thank you for the resurgence of David Wright. Thank you for not only winning 45 ball games as you were predicted to. But with that said, good riddance. Oh, and bonus, thank you for my kid's first trip to City Field. Ah, yes, and, and thank you for that. Uh, we will see you next week live from Blue Haven, NYC. Goodbye, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.